available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the aforementioned 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Got a lot of news and notes to get to. Man, you guys sent in a ton of questions, especially in the last 24 hours we're doing this. On a Tuesday night, a little bit different than we normally do. We've been doing like Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays. But I finally paid off a debt that I owed my partner here. I owed him a six-pack. Uh, we are we are drinking a kilt lifter, uh, Scottish we are lifting style our kilts. amber ale. Cheers to you. Cheers. Buddy, we'll take a drink. Yes, uh, that was for UCLA slaughtering LSU, right? <laughs> I think that was that was. <laughs> oh, it feels like so long ago. It was like, was that good back then? Or like, <laughs> it was like, was there hope? Was there optimism? Was the Pac-12 good? Uh, we got the new college football playoff rankings just came out like an hour ago. We get to talk about that. There's some rivalry talk. We got some rivalry games. We're going to preview uh, week ten. We'll recap what happened in week nine. We got survival pool stuff. All kinds of crap going on. So we will. Break it down, all of it, for all of you. If you have any questions or comments for us, Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Or you could call or text us at 424-532-0678. We got some text. We got text with like a whole graphic in it today. Uh, we got a voicemail for a buddy Perk. You can tweet us at Podcast or go to the website, Um, And then on Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. There's some POC listeners talking about the Pac-12 conference over there. So get in there and uh, join in all of the fun. Most importantly, on the Apple Podcasting app, please follow and rate us with five stars. We love the five stars. It helps make the show grow. More people listen. Maybe we'll try harder. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, Dave, I didn't even look. Do we have any new reviews this week? We do not. We have no reviews. I have never been more disappointed with our listener base. Uh, I mean, well, it's actually... I'm about ready to walk off set. <laughs> Saves me some time. I don't have to mail out a gift card. It's uh, true. But yeah, if you want to leave a review, apparently... If you leave a review, uh, given the rate uh, the last couple of weeks, you're probably getting 100 bucks to Jockey. Yeah. We, yeah, we're going to give you a $100 Jockey gift card. Uh, I just got a, a message from Jockey today if they, they needed more gift cards. I'm like, no, we're cool for now. Um but we'll see. Maybe there'll be another run on the we we were getting like nine reviews a week, which well, is Well, the one guy who writes all the reviews, I mean, I think he was probably just getting tired after a while. He might <laughs> there are some funny ones, but so yeah, if you want to uh, rate us, um, and you have a good chance of getting a hundred dollar gift card to jockey. So we had some I have to send it out like uh some listener's girlfriend wrote it, remember, and she she yeah. put a review, hadn't even listened to the show. She yeah. got a hundred dollar gift card for her and her boyfriend. I mean her boyfriend listens, which is fine. Uh all right. So Get into those reviews. We would appreciate that. Um, let's talk about the survival pool. Survivor pool. Um, 
right now there's only two left. So we had some eliminations. Um, and it was five people picked Stanford and one took Arizona State. Um, four weeks ago, there was 12 people remaining of the 10 eliminated, all but one picked Stanford spread over three games. So Stanford's been kind of, you, know, they, you fire coaches when you play Stanford. <laughs> uh, you get eliminated from the survival pool when you pick Stanford. Um, and now there's two left. So I believe the two are Sinjin and Dustin. So they'll be able to uh, go at it. So they both avoided picking Arizona State and Stanford. They are the final tool, the final two. So you don't have to post it. They're going to, they have direct emails from Matthew. Um, so he's not going to do the Google doc thing anymore. So, um, but yeah, so they have, uh, only two left. I, that's kind of cool. It is. It is very cool. Um, that it has actually lasted this long. Uh, cause it feels like in many years has it, we've only done this three years. I think so. And last uh, year, everyone was eliminated by like week two. Like week eight was a big one, like last uh, two years ago, I think. Yeah. So uh, Matthew also said in response to the question last week about what to do about the prizes if this ended in a big tie. And Dave's making it clear, not only had he not thought about it, but he didn't even remember there were prizes. The Pac-12 has proven once again that when it comes to counting on conference mediocrity, hope is a strategy. That's from Indeed. Matthew. Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, very much a strategy. So actually, since we didn't do, I don't know. I mean, we could. We could give them both a gift card at this point, but I think we got to wait and see, you know? Yeah, I think we wait and see. Because, you know, that's a, that's a big deal that yeah, they made yeah. it this far. So I'm, I'm impressed with what they've been able to do. Uh, okay, other little news note stuff. Um, let's go to college football rankings. So there is one Pac-12 team ranked. In the top four, but what about the rest of the... Yeah, no one else ranked. But Oregon made the top four. And I was listening to some other college football podcasts that people were predicting... No one was telling me Oregon was going to be in the top four. The win over Ohio State was highly rated. Uh, it was a big deal. They had, and I guess apparently Georgia and Alabama, even though Alabama's a loss, they're like head and shoulders above everybody else. There's a big gap between Georgia and Alabama and everybody else. And you got Michigan State. They get the big win over Michigan. And Oregon's number four, which is a good spot. Um, the problem is Oregon doesn't have a lot of, places to help their resume they do have another top 25 win over fresno state because they made it in the mountain west talk a little trash to the pac-12 i don't know if you saw my tweet but they're like oh well, any other west coast conferences have two teams in the college football rankings because <laughs> the pac-12 did it so i thought that was pretty funny pretty sad pretty sad when the mountain west is dunking on you yeah it's a conference of mediocrity baby um yeah oregon's placement is interesting you know they've got an undefeated oklahoma behind them um so clearly the committee, if you're trying to assign logic to it, which I know that that one guy we had on uh, has a whole system for it. Uh, I don't think there's actually that much logic to it. No. Uh, but clearly, in this instance, they're valuing Oregon's win over Ohio State more than, I don't know, Western Carolina or whatever the hell Oklahoma's beaten. Because Oklahoma's <laughs> undefeated. Um, right. So that one's interesting. I thought Cincinnati's placement was interesting at number six. I think a lot of people had some consternation about that. I think it sets up then for Cincinnati to make it if they win out because Bama and Georgia have, in theory, an elimination game. And then Michigan State and Ohio State, in theory, have an elimination game coming up. So Cincinnati, in theory, could make then a top four with the winner of Bama, Georgia, Oregon, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan State, and then Cincinnati. The problem is Cincinnati doesn't have anything left on its resume. To like, there's no more great, great games. True, know? and Notre Dame, uh, they're very reliant on Notre Dame continuing to like be respectable. And they're like 
winning by the skin of their teeth every week. Indeed. Even USC, like they. It's know. tricky because you only have control over who you. You, you only have control over like what you do with the schedule dealt to you. Yeah. Um, and Cincinnati has been uh, very good to dominant in most of their wins. So it's uh, it's an unfortunate reality of the system that um, it's... And the reasoning from the director as to why they're number six was basically, who else have they beaten? And it's like, well, the team's on their schedule, dude. Like, what do you, who do you want them to beat? Do you want them to schedule somebody new? Yeah. And that's something that's been proposed that I think would probably be smart if we continue with the four team for a while is for the uh, group of five schools to have open spots on their schedule um, so that they can play essentially elimination games against a better group of five schools towards the end of the season. Yeah, like, give, a, give a shot there. Like, they could play a Fresno State. or Yeah, a, play Fresno State, play San Diego State, play Coastal, Coastal Carolina. Like, have a have an open date that you can then at least rack up another win over a CFP team. Yeah. BYU is ranked, too, um, so they're kind of a Pac-12 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Oregon's in it now. I mean, I think you they would have to be above Ohio State. That win is, you know, and they even talked about not having Thibodeau on there. You know, like, it's a big deal, so... That was a good win. If Oregon can kind of look good at some point in the Pac-12 and not let Colorado score like four touchdowns. We're, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, ugh, that was ugly. Uh, yeah. In the AP poll, Oregon is 7, BYU is 17th, and Utah got 11 votes. Um, apparently, Arizona State got one vote. We have a text message on that. I don't know if that was an older poll, but we got a text message on that, and someone that uh, the text message they said um, – you know, take this guy's vote away. So Arizona State <laughs> had a vote. Um, so that was one thing. But yeah, Utah's like the only the next thing that's closest. Um, so it's good. And our picks were but last week. Both of us went two and four. Um, Today's pros need. David's got stuff going on. Uh, both of our picks went two and four. Um, that's not good. I had a good. You know, we both had a good week. The week before, I edged you out. Uh, this week we both stunk. Um, didn't get ASU. So Oregon screwed us. They won by a point less yeah. than they needed. Oregon two points less. We'll than We'll talk they about that. Colorado went for two when they didn't need to. Yeah, yeah. And they just let they let Colorado score like as many points as they scored the whole season in one game, which is not uh, not good. Arizona State. We got to talk about them. That is a dumpster fire. We should get Chris Cartman on. He wrote a great column on the demise of the Sun Devils. Um, and then you had Cal over Oregon State, and Oregon State let me down. And I had Utah over UCLA. UCLA let you down. And then, of course, Stanford just was Stanford. And <laughs> Holy shit. There was, yeah, so just we went from like last the, the previous week, like, okay, I think we kind of understand what's going on. And then everything just went back to shit. Like everything's just yeah, like, yeah. No, oh, no, no. Yeah, this team that looked good? No, they're, they're, they're terrible. Oh, this team that was terrible? Oh, they look okay. It was, we're back to Pac-12 is just what the hell. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, what the funniest part is, it's going to end up more or less the way a lot of people maybe suspected preseason with Oregon coming out of the north and then Utah coming out of the south. Because um, Utah was what? They were like one of the top three picks in the preseason, right, after USC and ASU? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to end up being something like more or less what we expected. It's just the way we have gotten here is absurd. Absolutely absurd. And uh, I don't know, there we are. But... I'm really happy. So I'm still making money in the MyBookie account. So because they had the free play, the uh, $25 free play, if you just bet the UFC game, I got 25 bucks. I'm betting. So I just let people know. I'm not betting a lot. I'm betting $5 a game. It's fun, though, to kind of keep some interest in there. 
So I've actually made money last week, even though my picks were two and four. So that's nice for my bookie that we were <laughs> was able to do that to bounce back a little bit. So we'll see. I might bump it up a little. Like there's some games that I'm pretty sure about, which means we're they're definitely going to go the other way. But I might try to bike, you know, bump it up a little bit just because I feel like I just I got house money after like have a losing week and making more money. But my bookie's been great. Like it's really easy to go in there. You can bet anything. You want to bet some live stuff of games like Monday Night Football. I was like, ooh, do I want to bet something with Mahomes? I'm glad I didn't because he had a terrible game. Um, but we have a special promo code, uh, Pac-12, if you sign up at mybookie.com. Pac-12. There's actually a link on our Pac-12 podcast, uh, Pac-12podcast.com page, a link to my bookie that will take you directly to the Pac-12 uh, deposit match link. So they'll match your deposit, your first deposit up to a thousand bucks. So you want to put hundred bucks in there, they'll make it 200. And uh, so you're going to play with some house money right away. So it's been, it's a really, I mean, I like betting stuff on there. Um, I haven't really done much of the online betting stuff. So it's been cool working with uh, my bookie and I was excited. I'm like, Oh, I got a little bit more money than I had, even though I had a losing pick. So hopefully this week we don't have to do that. We'll have winning picks. Yeah. Hopefully that's I'm hoping. us. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I just want to beat you. You know, whatever. Like that's that's cool. Yeah, and you're still what? Only only two games back. Yeah, I'm two games back. Yeah, and we're we're still below the Mendoza line or whatever. It's it's pretty bad. It's real bad. Uh, but thanks again to uh, my bookie. I have it like it's, it's funny. Like you have like certain tabs on your Chrome browser and stuff. Like I have a my bookie tab. <laughs> like I just like oh I'm gonna check these games and uh, check it out. All right. So let's see. I guess. Uh, I think that's all the newsy stuff we had, right? Was there anything else? Oh, Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake said the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There was a funny tweet, and I don't remember who it was from, but it was something about, like, so Dan Mullins, the, the head coach for Florida, was asked about, like, recruiting. Apparently, he's not, like, an avid recruiter. No, and, and he said something like, we'll do that after the season. Exactly, which is, like, the like a Chip Kelly response. Which is an absurd thing to say in the Pac-12. It's, in the SEC, it's deadly in the SEC. In the SEC like, you, somebody might. It's like, like anthrax letters yes. coming to his house. Yes. So he says that, and they don't allow players to talk very much. Then Jimmy Lake, who also doesn't allow players to talk very much, comes out and makes the comment about Oregon not being a rival because of the academic side on the recruiting thing. And, Oregon- well, and the way he phrased it, I mean, look, I'm not going to knock him for like saying something poorly because, I mean, have you heard me on this show? Uh, but he, he referred to, when you're talking about academics, he referred to the universities themselves as academic prowess or academically prowess which isn't <laughs> not a, yeah. that's not how that works no, um even i know that they're, they're schools engineer. with academic prowess yeah. um but he was basically making the claim that washington is right there with <laughs> let me see if i have this right stanford notre dame did he throw northwestern in there i think northwestern and usc and usc yeah what <laughs> yeah well top 25 academic whatever uh-huh like. uh-huh like usc which like can get you know, basically any football player in, you're comparing that to uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I guess my point is like there are schools that actually can't. Like Northwestern's one, Stanford is another, Notre Dame claims to be. Who knows? Uh, Washington isn't. Like Washington, right, right. Uh, like Washington, you can get guys in. And also, like context-wise, it was why he couldn't recruit against Oregon, <laughs> or why he doesn't recruit against Oregon, or why that's not their main recruiting rival. Which is like, you can't say that. No, and recruiting crushes you. And I mean, just I mean, Oregon murdering crushes you, you in recruiting. recruiting, and now you're saying that basically, oh yeah, we don't even try to compete with them. That's such like um, it's honestly Carl Durrell at UCLA, um, with like just oh, we're not going to compete with them. They're not our competitor. 
Um, and I don't know if it's borne out in what they're actually doing. Um, I would need to like look at their one-to-one recruiting stuff, but yeah. um, if it even remotely uh, correlates with their actual philosophy with regards to recruiting, uh, Jimmy Lake, sh- for, for yet another reason, Jimmy Lake should be fired immediately. Yeah, and uh, the, so the funny tweet was, so you got Dan Mullins and, uh, is it Dan Mullins or Mullen? I think it's just Mullen. Just one, Mullen. Just one, Mullen, one Mullen, not yeah. multiple Mullins. Dan Mullen. I don't know why. Who's the Mullins? There's a Mullins person. Dan Mullen and Jimmy Lake, they're the ones that are, they don't let their players speak because they're worried about what the players are going to say. They're going to say something stupid. And then they go out and tweet this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, you're the ones that said something kind of stupid. So, ooh, that was uh, scary. But I tweeted out like, yeah, give me Oregon minus six. I think it might be minus six and a half. I've got a topic I want to add. Okay, go ahead. How many Pac-12 jobs are open after the 12 game regular season is over? I think we have some questions. So let's on go that. through this. Okay. Arizona? No. Not Arizona. ASU? Yes. Yes. USC? Yes. Yes, already. UCLA? I'm thinking yes. Yes. Utah? No. No. Colorado? Mm, probably no. But probably be, no, but, but they're going to be bad. They're going to be bad. Cal? There'll be talk about it. Uh, Cal's research. So, like, they're actually now like. Do you even look at the Pac-12 rankings I gave you? Because I'm not even sure what they, we should do. Like, doesn't matter between three and eight. They're, they're, they're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> but they're like they could be upper half at this point uh-huh. at, at three and five. So sure. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna keep them. Okay, but maybe not. Stanford probably not. No, they'll never fire him. Uh, Oregon no, unless Oregon. he goes to the Raiders. Unless he goes to the Raiders. Right. So he could go to the Raiders. So there's a possibility right. Shaw's gone, not because he's fired, but because he goes to the Raiders. Oregon no. Oregon State, not for a firing. But someone might take Jonathan Someone might Smith. try to poach Jonathan Smith. They yeah. like the job he's done. And then you've got Washington, which I think has a possibility, and then Washington State, which is already open. So we're talking minimum of four jobs open after the season, and I would say three of them, uh, the ones that are surely open or nearly surely open, which are Washington State, UCLA, USC, and Arizona State, uh, three of those are good jobs. Yeah. UCLA, USC, and ASU, and then Washington State. Obviously, you know Mike Leach was able to win there. Um, it's a good job for the right fit. But uh, ASU, UCLA, and USC; those are each, I would say, top thirty-ish jobs in college football. Yeah. You know, USC obviously top five, UCLA top fifteen, ASU probably in the top twenty, twenty-five. Yeah, um, those are three good jobs um, in a in a market that's going to be very interesting and volatile. Yeah, I um, I'd love to talk to Cartman about this because we don't know for sure, but it just the way the wheels are, remember, I, I mean, I've said from the beginning, like, when is that shoe going to drop? Can, can I can I say it firmly? Yeah. Herm Edwards is going to be fired. Okay. You, you couldn't you couldn't do what he did this offseason or during the COVID year and having all the sanctions potentially coming down and then have a mediocre season. And they're destined now for a mediocre season. Yeah. Um, same way Chip Kelly couldn't arrive in his fourth year um, with all those seniors, all that experience. Because ASD is a very similar situation. They had a ton of seniors. Ton of experience. UCLA very same, um, and then lay an egg. Uh, UCLA is five and four right now. ASU is five and three. Uh, they've lost games that they shouldn't have. Um, they've gotten blown out by competitors who you know uh, are Utah, <laughs> who's going to win the South. Um, yeah. You just couldn't do it in this year. Um, so I think both of them are going to be open at the end of the year. The good thing for both ASU and UCLA is they get to play more Pac-12 teams. So. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? They yeah. could win the rest of their games. You know? It'll be interesting to see, um, but I would say a uh, very good chance both of those jobs are open as well. 
All right. Uh, well, I guess we should do our... Oops. Not that. We should do our... Pac-12 Roundup. We're uh, we're drinking, and it's late. Yeah. And we're doing the show differently. Long, and long day. Long the World day. Series has been on. Uh, the World Series is on. We, I got that on the background. You don't care, though, right? Not a bit. Yeah. I don't know. I keep it on there. Um, okay. So I did the rankings because I wasn't sure what to do, and David didn't even, like, respond I wasn't even sure if he was going to show up today. We were like, he just sort of said. Very, very strong non-committal vibes from the me this week. There I was will a, be honest. There was non-committal vibes. But uh, this is our shot at what the conference is doing. Uh, there are some clear places uh, where there's p- teams should be ranked. The very bottom and probably the very top. But that's about it. So we will start at the very bottom with our number 12 team. Arizona Wildcats. If I had watched, I maybe would have put them at 11. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, and they were on the road taking on our number nine team, USC Trojans. Or I should say, if I had paid attention when you sent that email, I maybe would have made Arizona 11. We could have moved them up? Maybe. Well, the fact that... Okay, well, anyway, go, here we are. All right, so uh, ASU. Uh, so this was the pick that both of us were like hammering. We or, got it right. We got Hammering it right. Arizona. I just said ASU. Hammering Arizona <laughs> in this game. Uh, They're not going to like that, by the way. Yeah, I know. Uh, Because they were uh, plus 21 against USC, and (laughs) there was no way in hell USC was covering 21 (laughs) in this game. They did at one point. They were. Yes. but So the interesting thing was it didn't go at all the way I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be Arizona going to Joyner and um, going like full option football and just completely screwing with USC. And the funny thing was USC looked like it was prepared for that. Because it seemed like every time Joyner was in there, they were like locked in on any of the run game stuff. Yes, yeah. like completely blowing it up completely. But then Mr. Will Plummer steps back there and just starts throwing dimes all yeah. over the field. This was, um, I, I'll go so far as to say, the best game he will ever have as a college player. <laughs> Very well, could be. Um, USC looked completely just destroyed in the secondary in this entire game. I can't believe that defense is as bad as it is, as talented as they Dude, are. Joiner threw a 73-yard touchdown pass. Right, like, and the ball hung up there for a long, <laughs> long time, and the guy had to run back to it. Yeah, like it was not a good pass. Absolutely no one, and Plummer threw a couple of those too, like that were not good passes um, that uh, hung up there for a really long time, and USC just would refuse to make plays on the ball. Um but Plummer played a, I mean, he played a confident game. He he looked much, much more comfortable um, running the Friendly confines offense. of the Coliseum. Yes. <laughs> USC made him look very, very, very comfortable. Um, and then offensively for USC, they moved the ball pretty well. But again, like with the amount of yardage they put up, like they, they 547 yards it still felt like it wasn't consistent. Like it yeah. wasn't like they weren't generating points at the level they needed to. Um, and just consistently at, uh, letting uh, Arizona just hang around, hang around, hang around for the fourth quarter when um, they really did make a game of it. And it was very close. And it was the situation where you were like, wait, is, is Arizona going to, are they going to do it? Are they, they are they going to do it? Yeah. They were very close there at the end. Yeah. USC scored six points in the second half. Uh, Arizona scored 20. So they came back and, had a shot. Uh, unfortunately, well, we did get to see two quarterbacks from USC. So Jackson Dart, the the plan was for him to come in on the third series. He ended up coming in on the fourth. But USC scored like a really you know touchdown on the first drive, quick touchdown on the second drive, long drive on the third. 
that they stalled out on. And then Dart comes in and he scores a couple touchdowns. Uh, but then they don't really do much in the second half. But some of it was Drake London goes down one of the touchdown catches. He breaks his ankle. Um, they took him off in an air cast. Really unfortunate to see. Uh, you know, probably the best player in the conference, and he's done for the season. Uh, but it seemed to demoralize the, the team a little bit. But that's – he was the offense. And, like, now you got – I mean, they have really talented guys. They just haven't figured out how to use them all. So, they're probably going to play two quarterbacks. they got to find out who the next – and so, Keontae Ingram ran for, like, 130 – Ingram or, looks – No, he, 204 yards. Ingram, and, uh, like, even taking into account that it was Arizona, he looks friggin' awesome. Texas transfer, 204 yards. He had lost 133 yards to penalties. Like right. he had three long runs called back for penalties. He would have had 133 like, more. He yards. looks like a freak. And like I made fun of USC last year for not using their like four good running backs, but like Ingram's a he's a he's a different level up yeah. from a lot of those guys. So stats wise, Slovis had the edge on Dart, like from a yardage perspective. But like eye test wise. Uh, Jackson darts your dude. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't really understand what they're. I mean, I, it doesn't really matter because it's interim coach. But um, I understand maybe getting both of them reps at this point because just leave it up to the next coach to decide and give them both game time reps. I guess that's probably the best way to use the rest of the season. But darts better. Like he's just fundamentally better, right? Yeah, and he's still not. 100%. They didn't really have him run, and that's really what he was supposed to bring to the table. They thought it would use like a package for him, but they right. didn't. They were just, he was the other quarterback. And you feel bad. You're talking to Slovis. And he's like, he's asked the court coaches, like, did I do something wrong? Whatever. And uh, I think this is more of a situation where like the head coach, the interim head coach, Dante Williams, wants to like get some kind of spark, get some people excited. It was homecoming. They announced like 54,000 or whatever. There was like 30,000 maybe in there. Um, it's, there's just not a lot of excitement around the program right now. They get a seven-point win over a team that's pretty terrible. USC's defense, like, season high to Stanford. Like, Stanford scored the most points they've scored all season against USC. Oregon State. This was the most points Arizona scored by 15. Yeah. Oregon State, the most points they've scored, tied. Utah was until they scored, like, 44. They scored 42 in the Coliseum. Arizona is the only FBS team that hadn't broke the 20-point barrier, and then they scored 31. This is something that's interesting to me about, like, the coaching fraternity, is that Todd Orlando is still going to be a defensive coordinator after the season. Oh, he will. Like, he'll go get another job where he's a defensive coordinator. And it's like, how insular is that entire profession that somebody who's an abject failure can just consistently get jobs? Because that's the that's the part of this that's absurd to me. Um I was very harsh on Jed Fish after last week. Um, this one, I thought he coached really well. He did a good job. I thought he did a really good job. I thought he went with the flow of the game, too, because Joyner wasn't working. Like, that package that I think they had installed with the intention of using a lot wasn't working the way they wanted it to. And so he just went back to Plummer and used the Plummer stuff that I was very harsh you on did not er want to er see early in the game. But um, it worked. And I think showing that confidence in him uh, paid some dividends in this one. It, I, you know, Plummer I, ran, but Plummer ran a touch. I think it was it might have been fourth and long, like fourth and goal, <laughs> like sixteen or something stupid. He right. Plummer ran it in. It was like whoa. They ran a fake punt that looked like if you were gonna like draw it up on the whiteboard. Oh, like, it was how, beautiful. How and so well work? blocked. Yeah. It was so well blocked. Yeah, Anthony Pandy ran for like thirty two yards on the punt block. Or Pandy the, had a pick six. Yeah, you know, like you know, like it's crazy. Like what? What I like that I'm seeing from Arizona is that everyone is still playing very hard. They are. They are not giving up. They're going to get a win, I think, at some point. Like in they, the next they, couple of years, they will get one. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I still think there's a chance this year because look at who they have left. So it's Cal at home. Yeah. Then it's Utah at home, which probably not. But then it's at Washington State. And then it's at ASU. And ASU maybe collapses. Okay. Washington State's like maybe the number three. Like, I know. Okay. Nobody's, <laughs> no, but my, my point is nobody's good. So you could say any four teams there at the end and be like, like, oh, yeah, those, those are all winnable games. All those teams are like on the upswing. Like, well, not well, Arizona State. Here's what I like about Arizona, Arizona State season. beat them by 1,000 last year. We're going to contrast this with my number 11 team, which um, I think should be number 12. Uh, but Arizona is still competitive. In a lot of these they games. They are. Like they're they're com- they competed the hell out of the Oregon game, competed the hell out of the UCLA game, competed the hell out of the Washington game, and now have competed the hell out of the USC game. Like if you add up all those games, they probably should have a win from one of those four. And the fact that they don't is just kind of shitty luck. And it's funny, I talked to Jason Shear about it, and he, I, I was the wor- the thing I was worried about was were they gonna be demoralized? Because they almost beat Washington. They were up 13 nothing, 16 to 3 or whatever it was, and then they, you know, um, end up losing. But he seemed to think like they're just so focused on getting a win. So I think they're going to keep it rolling. Like loss after loss, 20 in a row. Like, okay, just going to like brush it off. We're going to get one. And I I think that's a good attitude. They seem to be like coming each week like, all right, we got a chance to win a football game. Let's just freaking do it. Okay. Uh, our number 11 team that Dave wants 12. Colorado Buffalo. They were on the road taking on our number one team Oregon Ducks and my apologies to all the Ducks fans because five weeks in a row our number one team in the power rankings the POC power rankings has lost their next game and and we all know who they're playing this week five weeks in a row yeah boom not good um uh but frankly they should lose because they allowed Colorado to score 29 points in an FBS football game which you could add like three or four of their games and they wouldn't have got to 29 points. On offense. Yeah. Like 29 points, all of them on offense. No. No, 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 They allowed Brendan Lewis to complete, uh, looks like over 66% of his passes with uh, a, a reasonable yards per attempt. He threw 224 yards and three touchdowns. He looked like, you know those guys... Um, that line up behind the center and take right. a snap uh-huh. and throw the football. Like uh-huh. We call those quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. He looked like one of those. He looked like one of those. And he not, hadn't looked like one of those before. Right. And a, and a, and a decent one. Yeah. Like, not great, but decent. Um, and then they ran the ball. Okay. Like, it wasn't like Oregon sold out to stop the run and then they were allowing a little bit through the air. No, 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 no. Colorado was able to do kind of it all. Insane. Yeah. Insane to watch. But the interesting part was, as the offense was doing that for Colorado, the defense fell apart completely. <laughs> it was, yeah. Oregon, Oregon. I mean, I, I don't know that they've looked better offensively this entire season than they looked in this game. Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown it. was exceptional. Their entire rushing attack was great. Uh, Brian, uh, Byron Cardwell um, ran the ball extremely well. Um, but this was, I mean... It was the most bizarre, like essentially not a shootout, but like just this offensive explosion from two teams, neither of which I was expecting. I was expecting Colorado to be able to slow down that Oregon offense because the Oregon offense has been hit or miss at times this year. Um, I was expecting a relatively low scoring, like, I don't know, 31 to f- five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, no, Colorado. Uh, I don't know if they showed something or if it's just Oregon making teams look good because they've got a mediocre defense. 
Yeah, so this one, I think I was watching the ASU-Washington State game, and I flipped over. First of all, so Oregon was favored by 24. If I told you Oregon scored 52 points, how many of your like I would children have guessed, would I, you have bet on this? I thing? would have guessed that they had won by 38. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was not the case. When I flipped it over, that was 14 nothing. I'm like, all right, this is good. Um, but then I'm like, wait, Colorado scoring offensive points i'm like this is something is not right here um it was a record number of completions for lewis uh oregon had a bunch of injuries in the secondary i think they had like a walk-on safety have to come in at some point i'm not going to give them that as an excuse it's still like it was pretty pathetic and it was 24 like it was uh, oregon was covering was 31 points and they let colorado score again and you're like oh what's going on they put in ty thompson because it's like the game's over but the spread isn't over. Like, hey, no, we need you to cover the spread. Don't put the backups in. And they he throws a pick. They, I think they had to put, like, starters back in. It wasn't well-managed, I think, by Mario Cristobal. But, you know, you kind of led that. It led to a, a Colorado score. Uh, Colorado was converting on fourth downs. Um, they were careering on offense. Like, they literally were careering on offense. And the thing that pissed me off the most, it's like, you're down by 25, I believe it was. And you go for two. Mm-hmm. Like literally to beat the spread. And not only do you like nine times out of 10, Colorado's not going to get that and they get it. And, and you're like, is there a way that Oregon's going to cover? I'm like, we are going to lose this game by a single freaking point. And that's what it was. Yeah. That's what we did. We lost it. That was, it made me so mad. I was listening to the, the truck stops and then the truck stops and like, they're all fucking, <laughs> they're just like, what the hell? Uh, I was mad. Like this was this made me mad. But here's the part that I think is important: is it wasn't the last point that did us in. It was the 28 that they allowed him to score before that. Yeah. What the hell, Oregon? We counted on you for one thing, and that was making our 24 point spread pick good, and you couldn't even do it. Oregon is bad at the covering the big spread thing. They're really bad and, at but, it. But, but this one, but you sometimes it just happened. Like you watch this game, like they should have covered the spread. Like how are all you got to do is stop. Like, they scored a ton of points. Like, that's great. But you let a team that does not score points score them. Score points. Like, how does that happen to the number one team? Like, the best team of the conference, the team that beat Ohio State. Like, Colorado scored more than Ohio State. Remember, Oregon almost lost to Arizona. That is true. Um, oh, so frustrating. Okay. So, all right. That was our number 11 and number one teams. Our um, number 10 team. Stanford Cardinal. Another frustrating game. They were hosting. Uh, I don't know why we even have them there. I don't know why we have anything. Number seven. Washington Huskies. Uh, there were no offensive touchdowns. No no touchdowns at all scored in this game until the fourth quarter. Yeah. It was 12 to three. It was nine to three at half. So it was 12 to three. David Shaw went to the halftime like, this is exactly the kind of game I want to play. Disgusting football game. It was unwatchable. It was thirteen to twelve. When I flipped, so I got home from the from the press. I think I was yeah. I got home from my from I got home from the press box, and I turned. I was listening to the game. I turned it on. It's thirteen to twelve Stanford. I'm like, Stanford's favored by like a point and a half or two and a half. I forget what we had it at, two and a half or something. And I'm like, there's no way. Like they're not going to score. They they had the ball and they just tried to like sit on it with like seven minutes left uh, in the I, game or something. I never, I. I... I don't know how how strongly I can put this. I never want to watch a game where both David Shaw and Jimmy Lake have a meaningful role 
in the contest. <laughs> I never want to watch this again. I sent you a text. I'm like, I don't want Stanford to win this game by a point. I want them to lose outright. Right, right. We both picked, or we both picked Stanford, we right? We both picked Stanford, but it was like minus two and a half or something. One and a half, two and a half. Yeah. And we we're both like. And they're up by a point and they're not going to try to score. Like they had to try to ice the game and they went like three and out and like, you know, they weren't going to try to like score. They're like, we'll punt and then figure out what happens. And, and Washington scores like their first touchdown of the game, you know, uh, with like a, less than a minute left. But I was like, you're David Shaw. Like you have a one point lead. Get down a field goal range or something. Like they, it, like it was like they were like they would have punted on first down if they had the choice. You know. So I truly like watching that game or the the bits of it. I could stomach. I have no idea why Stanford was even in it. Like I have no real understanding. <laughs> like of stats it. didn't go. Yeah, like all the stats are in Washington's favor. They're Stanford, bad at running. Stanford the turned the ball over three fucking times. Yeah. How was this a one point Stanford lead in the fourth quarter? I don't know. Jimmy Lake. Um, These, I don't, I mean, okay, so there's some benefits here. Mm-hmm. Remember we saying Stanford were butt and people are like, they're not butt. Well, they're three and five now. They're pretty butt. Um, I don't okay, know, but, Stanford's, but, Stanford's remaining schedule. Utah. Uh, at Oregon State. Cal and Notre Dame. Yeah. They're going to be pretty butt, I think. They could lose all four. Easily. Easily. So I, I don't think I, I think butt was unfair. But if they go three and nine, butt's butt works. Four and eight, I think, is still butt. Yeah. I would th- I would say that's they have to go two and two down the stretch to avoid butt. I, I feel pretty confident they're gonna be four and eight. Yeah. I think four, get four a and win. eight seems right with what we've got remaining. And also we'll share some news about this week. Um but uh yeah. But Washington I'm just like, uh I don't know. I think people are gonna think Washington's good and they're not. No, 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 no. I don't think anybody who watched that game will come away thinking Washington is good. I think they'll come away saying, wow, that was a very bad football game, and I want to bleach my eyeballs now. But this is like like the Raiders. I mean, David Shaw should go to the Raiders. Like, that's what you want. Like, Are they going to hire him? Why would they do that? Because he coaches NFL style in college when you shouldn't. What does that mean? It means, like, you're okay, it's okay to, like, lose a game the way he lost it because – you need to go nine and seven. Like you don't need to like go ten and two. Like you got to go. Well, now it's you know, nine and eight. You're like probably you could make the playoff. You know, um, <sighs> like if you just play by the the nineteen sixty football logic and punt all the time and all you know, don't take too many chances. You're fine in the NFL. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. That this was. I can't believe we talked about it this much. I can't talk about don't, it anymore. Yeah, don't no. That, that don't ever watch that or don't don't don't, don't think about it anymore. Move on. I don't even think they could do the sixty minute version of that on the Pac twelve network. There's not enough plays to fill up the No, it minutes. wouldn't fill it up. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. It'd There's be forty minutes of special thirty minutes. <laughs> they would have to include a bunch of like meaningless commentary at halftime. <laughs> oh, that's how bad it was. Okay. Uh so we uh that was number ten and number seven. Our number nine team. USC, we already talked about. Our number eight team. California Golden Bears. Yeah. Uh, and they uh, were hosting our number four team, which I don't know if this makes much sense, but, you know, here we are. Oregon State Beavers. The funniest part about the season is Cal clearly being, like, good now. <laughs> Wait, what's their record? They're three and five. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We're like, oh, they're on the upswing. Yeah. Um, so we have them above USC, who's four and four. 
just like because they look better right now. Yeah. So California's offensive uh, surge continues. Uh, Chase Garbers continues to look um, superhuman. Again, Garber, you tweeted something about how like Garbers was looking during the UCLA game. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Chase looks pretty good. Like uh, Huffman liked it or something. So. Anyway, Cal 139-25. Uh, they had control of this game uh, basically from the jump. Um, made me so mad. It made me really mad. No, or, you picked Cal. Yeah, but I was still mad. I'm an Oregon State fan. I know. We, everyone, like, everyone that covers the Pac-12, is like they're fans of Oregon State. Like We all want yeah, yeah. Oregon State to do well. Well, I was shocked like because Cal's defense hasn't been good this year at all. No, uh, but, but they, they were great. They really shut down this rushing attack. Like uh, Oregon State's rushing attack, you're like, you pencil them in for 200-plus yards. You just do because it's so well-schemed. They've got talented backs. They've got a good offensive line. And Cal shut them down like pretty damn well, too. But I think that they got away from it a little bit, too. I think sometimes... If it's not working, like they're throw, they're letting Nolan throw a little too much. Um, I think you just stick with the damn run game. And I, it felt they're like still, they're still chasing um, that USC performance from Chance Nolan. I think, um, but and he only threw like eighteen. It was like fifteen of eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, just efficient. Which, let him be efficient. But yeah. I think you just got to go BJ Baylor. All you know, if you want to go three downs in a row, ends up being fourth and five. I don't care. Like I, I like your chances. Just run of that dude. You know. Yeah, I would if I were uh, Oregon State, I'd probably move away from balance a little bit more. But regardless, I think Cal was going to win this football game because Oregon State couldn't stop him. Um, just defensively, uh, Cal's offense was, and this is a shocking thing to say, just too good, too they balanced. Were, I mean, I mean, they were running the ball extremely well. But what have you seen from Cal this year that you would go, oh yeah, they're going to go in and and do whatever they want on offense. And Oregon State, like, it could crawl so back. So Cal's in. rushing attack has been, I would say, in fairness, they've been pretty good all year. Like, I would think they've run the ball pretty well all year. It's just Garbers has been really inconsistent in this offense. But it seems like he's either finally getting the hang of it or the staff is getting better at calling things for him or they've played Oregon State in Colorado and that's helped or whatever it is. But he Oregon looks State so... Oregon State was our number one team. I know. They were our number one team. But their defense is ass. They're, um, they're pretty bad. Um, but Garber's like, he looks so much more comfortable dropping back and throwing the ball, even compared to like two weeks ago when I was like, what the hell? This this looks terrible. Um, he just looks way more comfortable the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, it's 3 nothing Atlanta. I don't know what happened. Oh, I guess someone hit a home run. I didn't even notice. Uh, I was so mad talking about Colorado and or yeah this made me mad too I mean come on like (sighs) BJ Baylor fumbled on the very first play of the game and I feel like this has happened in the Pac-12 when you make your picks and you actually care and you're like okay Oregon State what do we have them as they were a uh Oregon State one and a half point point so it's just basically like a pick them and Baylor fumbles the first play of the game I like I instantly know, and you're you're you pick the other guy. I'm like, I instantly know I didn't win this game. Like things happen on the very first drive, like Arizona State, second offensive play, uh-huh. fumble, and I'm like, they're not co- like they're gonna suck. Like you can tell, but you just don't know what they're gonna do when you go into the game. But you see, okay, the, the, this stud BJ Baylor, who's like looks like the best running back we've ever seen, fumbles on the first play of the game. All right, this is over. Well, like, no, and that's the thing is, I think the interesting thing about this league is that uh, people who pay attention to it, I think they're probably like 40% ATS, like picking games pregame. But I think if you let the people who really watch the Pac-12 watch a series of both teams to start the game... Crush it. Would crush it. It'd be like, oh, 90% ATS. I would I would know exactly who's going to win and by how much based on like two series of football. 
Because you can, you just know the teams well enough, and you know just like when the matchup is bad, it's going to remain bad. It's not like there's going to be an adjustment away from it because the coaches are that bad. Like it's just going to be yeah. hammered all game. And when you identify it in the game, it's like, oh wow, okay, that's going to be toast. There were a couple exceptions, like the Arizona State Utah game, like ASU was killing them, and there was another one. Was it Stanford was up like 13 uh-huh. or no, or no, or even like Arizona being up, but you could tell on that one too. Uh, no, actually we would know Arizona. You're like, they scored early. You're like, okay. Yeah. yeah no, they're going to cover. Gonna, they're going to cover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the Arizona state Utah game, you thought ASU just looked like unbeatable. And then they just, since that moment, like imagine this Arizona state three weeks ago was three and oh, in the conference five and one overall playing Utah, like the number one, whatever. And, and up. 21-7 at half. Yeah. Since that point, they've been a freaking dumpster fire, you know? And, like... That was their Gettysburg. It was... That was their Gettysburg. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Uh, let's see. Oregon State did have a couple backup offensive linemen. That probably didn't help in this one. Uh, but their run defense was bad. Cal had... It was late in the third. I don't know what they finished with. Maybe you look it up. Zero penalties, zero turnovers. Late in th- like, if you want to not make a mistake, like at all, throughout a game, you're probably going to do pretty well. Like, yeah, Oregon State turned it over three times. Cal turned it over zero, and uh, Oregon State had five penalties for 47 yards. Cal one for 15. One, one penalty. Um, so yeah, there was a block punt too. Like, there was a lot of weird. Like, this was just like you knew from that fumble. Okay, the stuff's going to go against Oregon State, and it did. So. Uh, congrats to Cal. You're like, you know, on the up and up at three and five. Yeah. Like you, you look like one of the most promising congrats, teams. Congrats, Cal. You're bad. <laughs> you, look, you look like one of the most promising teams in the Pac-12 and you're three and five. Uh, which might save... Uh, By the way, Cal could 100% finish bowl eligible. At Arizona, USC at home, at Stanford, at UCLA. Oh, yeah. They could go three and one down I that mean, stretch. They might be ranked in the college football playoffs by this. <laughs> seven and five, baby. Okay, um, that was Cal. We had number seven was Washington. We already talked about our number six team. UCLA Bruins. Why are they six? I don't know. Why uh, are they six? Because <laughs> we got to put somebody there. We yeah. can't put everybody at eight or nine. Uh, and our number two team. Utah Utes. If anything, Utah should have won this by more. Like, it should have been a bigger blowout. Um Kyle Whittingham, or I wouldn't say Kyle Whittingham, Andy Ludwig maybe got a little silly with it. Um, they had a couple of short yardage plays where they decided to throw deep for some reason, um, and then it left them with uh, uh, turning it over on downs one time and then kicking a long field goal at another time. Um, regardless, they won by 20. Um, UCLA's defense was absolutely awful uh, in this game. They allowed 290 yards on the ground. Uh, the defensive line was bad. The linebackers were bad, um, and the safety play was abysmal. Um, just at every level, the defense completely collapsed. Um, and that was really the story of the game, the story of Chip Kelly's entire time at UCLA. Uh, the defense has been horrible. The offense, um, obviously, was without Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, Ethan Garbers started his first game. He played pretty well, though, I thought. yeah, He played fine. Yeah. Uh, he played a fine game for his first start. Uh in the first half, they were really doing kid gloves with the offensive play calling with Garbers. Um, he was only throwing short, not really doing anything downfield. And that was the exact wrong approach for this game because um, uh, Utah was going to stack the box. They were going to take away your run game to some extent. 
you were going to need to win this at least a little bit through the air, and they just refused to in the first half, and it put them behind. The second half was much more even. Um, Utah won it 16-14, to 14, um, and that was because UCLA took off the kid gloves on the offense. They they took the breaks down and, and really started to throw up downfield a little bit more, and Garbers looked pretty good doing it. Um, he has some of those classic you know young guy playing quarterback issues where he's getting a lot of balls tipped because he's you know locking onto receivers and defenders can see where his eyes are but um he looked fine utah though um they look legit like totally legit cam rising um making good decisions back there he's not like the most accurate downfield thrower but on the short stuff he's really good to throw into those big tight ends he's really good and he can run the ball really effectively Um, oh yeah the zone read stuff was killing ucla's defense in this game uh tavion thomas looks really good tj pledger looked really good um yeah, overall, they should have won this game by more. This should be the death knell for uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA because uh, this puts them out of South contention. I think Utah, what I was reading, was they have a 95% chance of winning the South now um, yeah. with the tiebreakers. they got over, like all the tiebreakers. They've got the tiebreakers over everybody. over everybody. They'd have to lose a lot in a schedule that does not allow for many losses anymore. It is a Pac-12, though. Yeah, but UCLA is basically out of it. They'd need to win out and then have Utah lose, I think, three of four. Um, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to happen. UCLA is out of contention for the South, and that had to be the minimum requirement for Chip Kelly in year four. So, uh, really impressed with Utah. You know, they, I, I just felt like I did. I felt like against USC, it was like, eh, don't you know, just hold off, hold off, hold off. But then, you know, they've looked good the last two weeks since then. They look like a legit team. They're probably going to represent the South, like you said, ninety five percent. Tavion Thomas, they gave him the ball twenty four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 160 yards and four touchdowns and he should have had it more like it was a really efficient <laughs> 24 like i felt like his success rate personally was like 80 percent. like it felt like every time he got the ball he got he ground for at least four or five yards and then with a few explosives in there but he wasn't it wasn't like it was 160 yards and one of them was 70 it was like 10 yeah 12 15 4 like, yeah 10 8 4 <laughs> you know it was just grinding yards uh, was that is that like the second time UCLA has allowed like an opponent to score like a single player to score like four or five touchdowns in a game? Yeah, did, I think it was last week. Di, was it Die? Yeah, Die. <laughs> but Die did it in a much uh, more funny fashion because he had like I don't know twenty four total yards, but he had four touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Cam Rising averaged over ten yards a carry too, so that was good for him. Yeah. Um, the weird thing, Utah's horrible on special teams mm-hmm. to the point where apparently, from what I read. Like they literally benched their punter, like had two punts blocked the previous week, um, and one of them like got called back for a penalty against Oregon State. They had two punts in this game. Cam Rising punted them both, both times. by both, and they were both freaking dimes, like inside the ten yard line, or whatever, like forty yarders or whatever. Uh, pretty awesome, like that they were just like, you know what, I'm gonna bench my punter. And, oh yeah, and let Cam do it. But it's cool, like you, you put a defense out there, you're probably not get a return. Um, he's just been. The fact that he didn't win the job, like you should file fire somebody for that. Like, how did was yeah, he not the well, clear number it, one? It then took him a couple of weeks to get really acclimated to starting. Remember, like it took till the bye week before he really started getting going. But it's sort of like the same thing with the Chance Nolan thing. If you start him against Purdue, Oregon State has another win right now. If you start Cam Rising to begin the year, I don't know. Do they beat San Diego State? Do they beat BYU? Yeah. Um, and you're might maybe talking about an entirely different season. Um, just tough. Now, this is weird for UCLA. Now, I know Sachs get involved in this, but who had more carries in this game? 
Zach Charbonnet, Britton Brown, or Ethan Garbers. <laughs> Garbers had 14 for 36. Now, there yeah. were, I don't know how many sacks there no, were. No, but like the thing with Garbers is, and this uh, kind of, because um, uh, I gave Chip Kelly some shit about it um, in the pre-up because I was like, oh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a clearly better athlete. And I think Thompson Robinson is, but Garbers really impressed me with his wheels because I had heard from like people who watched him in high school um, that he was, you know, obviously he can run a little bit for high school, but he's a bit more of a statue and not really a natural runner. He looked really natural running the football. Like he looked a lot like his brother, actually. Um, so uh, I wouldn't be upset if he continues to carry the ball eight to 14 times in a game because he, he looked good running it, like good speed, but also just natural feel. Like he was juking guys. He was doing things that, you know, a, a really good athlete would do. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't running the ball consistently. Charbonnet had 65 yards, but a lot of it was on two explosive plays. Um, he was really struggling to get consistent yardage. Yeah. Um, Utah, this was one of their better defensive performances, I would say. Um, they shut down UCLA's running game pretty well um, and kept it. Like Garbers had to throw the ball 44 times because the running game was getting nothing, especially in the second half. Yeah, so Utes, Ute fans, um, take care of business against Stanford. And you're going to be the number one team because obviously this week Oregon's going to lose <laughs> because they're going to be the number one team. So and then Utah will be number one. Yeah, going Utah. at Arizona. Perfecto. We love this. Uh, I think I'm going to the championship game in Vegas. Yeah, you want to go? Sure. We can get credentials. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you want to do it? I, I definitely want to do Should it. Should we set up a booth on the Friday on the Strip? That would be cool. And just get blasted out oh, of we're gonna get blasted yeah uh maybe not at the game it's friday night um you don't golf right no okay i mean i i don't actively i could go and golf poorly we could go golf yeah we could yeah. do something all right we, we'll have to figure this out yeah, yeah. we'll do that okay we got one last uh game so that was uh ucla was number six and utah's two we already talked about number four um no i'm sorry yeah we talked about four Oregon State. Oh wait, we yes, we talked about Oregon State. Oh, we okay. We have to do uh, number five. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and then uh, our now number three team, Washington State Cougars. Wow, uh, Washington State blew them out. I mean, it's it's kind of hidden in the final it wasn't score. Close. Thirty-four twenty-one, but it was twenty-eight-seven at halftime. Um, was it twenty eight nothing? It was twenty eight seven after the third quarter. <laughs> like it was, but it was twenty eight nothing at one point. I yeah, thought. yeah. yeah. Uh, this was a blowout. Uh, Washington State um, uh, really took it to them. Uh, they uh, were great on offense. Um, turned Jaden Daniels over twice. Um, ASU just looks discombobulated completely, and Washington State looks like it's found new life in this post. Um, uh, Nick Rolovich era like they look like they're responding really well uh, to Dickert um, and right now if you look ahead for Washington State uh, they're definitely going bowling because they've got Arizona on November 19th but do they control their own destiny right now I think they I think, I think they, they do. do yeah I think they do because they've got Oregon and Washington both on the road uh, but if I'm Oregon, I'd be very nervous about that game coming up. And uh, Washington, I'd be nervous about, uh, you know, losing the Apple Cup. Um, yeah, Washington State, they look good. Uh, and defensively, I think they've really, really started to show some stuff. Um, 
but uh this is uh this is a really competitive team and um yeah i was i was really impressed with them in this game i was too um this was one of those things like you talk about the U- ucla utah game like utah scored easily on the first drive so you'd be like okay utah's covering mm-hmm. this there's no no question about it this is what happened um on Arizona State's second play of the game, fumble. Then they get the you know they get the ball back. The next play of the game, third play of the game, fumble. The next series, interception. Hmm. The next series, turnover on downs. Turnover on downs not good. The next series, get a field goal, but it gets called back for a penalty, and then they miss a field goal, and it was like false start moved. Uh, the Sun Devil's back, and he misses the field goal. Um, yeah, crazy. And then and, another fumble right after that. By the way, and it was a yeah that was like what this was insane. Like they screwed up. They made like game changing mistakes on the first like six drives. Like Arizona State looked awful. It was twenty eight to nothing. And you're like, what is going on? Well and afterwards Herm Edwards basically blamed the players. Like his quote is uh it's on the players. It's all the players. Like they've got to make plays or whatever. And like in normal circumstances I'd be like, that's complete bullshit from the guy paid X million dollars. But in this one, yeah, I mean they gotta hang on to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like it's basics of the job. They gotta hang on to the ball. Um obviously you never want to say that uh in public though. It's a bad look. No. Um but uh he had a point cuz this one was very much like just player mistake, player mistake, player mistake. And not just like major mistakes like when it was 21 nothing like okay, can Arizona State get back into it? They had a holding penalty get called um Kyle Thompson forces a fu- and then Kyle Thompson forces a fumble. Holding penalty took a touchdown away from Arizona State. And then it and then it turns into a turnover like it was just huge penalty, huge mistake. Like it was insane the amount of mistakes that Arizona State was making. You couldn't look worse than what they did. It's hard. like you want to give Washington State credit. They were forcing fumbles. They, I mean, it was amazing. But you can't. They, I think they they lead the conference in like recovered fumbles. It's like eleven, and I think the next closest team has like six or something like that. Yeah. Like it's insane what's been going on. With Arizona State, though, since the halftime of the Utah game, they haven't looked like an actual football team since then. And I want to give Washington State a lot of credit, but Arizona State's just reeling right now. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, they just dug themselves this huge hole, and then they tried to play after that. But, it, I mean, the, the second half of the Utah game, the first half of the Washington State game, they weren't even – they were not putting up any resistance whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I don't know what the hell's going on with that, but – those are our rankings. Uh, Washington State's now apparently really good, even though like, no one's good. I, I don't know. I no don't one's think good. If anybody's good. Okay, so let's uh, preview the games, and we we got a lot of questions to get to. I can tell the and David we're already thing. like what eighty minutes in. Let's see. We are no sixty. Hey, it's not too bad. Um, okay, we'll try to do our picks somewhat quickly. Uh, we only have one, two, three, four, five. So we got some buys this week. Utah at. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, don't I have a board here that I do this stuff yeah, with? Yeah. It's just, you know, it is late. Uh, what's going on? This is the first team. Utah Utes. On the road, taking on. Stanford Cardinal. 
This is a Friday game, 7.30 on FS1. Utah traveling to Stanford. Stanford may be without Tanner McKee, Elijah dun, Higgins, dun, dun. and John Humphreys in this football game. Uh, they're not going to score points. Uh, Utah is favored by seven and a half points. Gotcha. Give me Utah. I am also going to take Utah, even if McKee plays. Have have you? Are you familiar with the Jack West experience? I'm very familiar. <laughs> I've uh, seen it. No, yeah. Is- no, the, the, no. No. I'm not taking a Jack West led Stanford team. Uh, a potentially Jack West led Stanford team in any game. Ever. Yeah, it's when you have big spreads in this conference, it's like you're pretty safe a lot of times taking them just because you don't know. I feel like we kind of know Utah's going to be pretty good. Um, and we know Stanford's like kind, not kind of not good. And even if they're like close, like, you know, they're down by 14, I don't have a lot of confidence. Like, I could see David Shaw kicking a field goal to make it, you know, 11, which st- we're still covering, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, could to be wrong. We've been wrong plenty of times picking these games. I will sleep like a baby getting Utah and giving seven and a half. Yeah, it's the Friday night thing. It's the Friday night in the Pac-12. So Friday night road game. Friday night road game. disasters. But I think Utah could put a biblical level beat down on them. There's a very good possibility of that, especially if, if McKee's If McKee's playing. out, I will I will upgrade that to, an, to a certainty <laughs> that they will do so. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we've seen Stanford do, like, sometimes they're trying to make a game go, like, a certain way. Like, they're just, they want it to go a certain way. Sometimes the dominoes line up, you know, like, oh, we got that stop, and they got that penalty, and there was that turnover, and we get the, we actually were somewhat effective running the football, and we're shortening the game. And, like, if all those things line up, you're like, how is Stanford beating this team? Right. But the, when all those things line up, it's I don't think it's going to be easy to line up against Utah and get those to happen. No, definitely not. Which means it definitely will. Okay, uh, that's the Friday night game. Uh, on Saturday, we start off with California Golden Bears. On the road, taking on Arizona Wildcats. Wow. 12 noon, high noon on the Pac-12 Network. Cal, suddenly good Cal, also 3-5. and five. Uh, going on the road to take on 0-8 Arizona, but has been competitive in every game. Cal, a 12-point road favorite over Arizona. Yes. A team that just played USC within seven. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm loving the Chase Garber's experience. I am not loving it. 12 (laughs) points on the road against an Arizona team that's been competitive in four of their last five against theoretically more talented teams than Cal. So give me Arizona. I don't really understand this. I have to agree with you. It's just so hard. Like, but I remember the Friday night Washington at Arizona game where Arizona was winning 13 nothing. Is Cal like significantly better than what? I mean, I don't know. Like Cal could come in there, Chase Garbers. It's all matchups. I think the fact that Cal is balanced and like pretty good and balanced right now offensively could really challenge Arizona because I think their defense is not very good, but it can be they can try to take away another team's fastball. Um, I think that's Don Brown's kind of philosophy. But Cal is pretty they don't ba- have a fastball. They're pretty well, they're pretty balanced right now. They've got <laughs> they like they've got like two effective sliders right now. Yeah. <laughs> um and I don't know if Arizona's gonna be able to do that. So Cal could score a lot. Yeah. Cal goes um, change up, change up curve. Right. And up. and Jed Fish might now double down on the Will Plummer experience and that might not work out so well. <laughs> 
I mean, there's reasons that Arizona could get blown out in this game. Um, I'm less confident about this one than I was about the Arizona-USC game, but still, give me the Wildcats. Yeah, I'll take the Wildcats, too, at home. I just feel like they're going to be jonesing for a win. They're thinking they can get a win out of this. Like, this is a 3-5 and Cal team, so I think they'll be fired up. It's a good 3-5, and though. Yeah, 12 (laughs) points is like, that's a lot of points. Like, I mean, Cal literally could go in there and and lose. So, uh, yeah, just, again, I'll I'll take those 12 points. Give me the 12 points, and I'll just sleep well. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Okay. Uh, our former number one team. Oregon State Beavers. On the road, taking on who Dave thinks should be the number 12 team. Colorado Buffalo. So this is a 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Oregon State traveling to Colorado. Oregon State's a 10.5-point favorite. I'm in a very similar boat to the Cal-Arizona game here because it's a lot of points. Oregon State, are they still going to be down their two offensive linemen in this one? Do we know? I don't know. We don't know. Because here's the thing. Colorado looked like it had collapsed defensively against Oregon, but some of that might just be matchups. Some of that just might be, you know, Oregon having more talent than Colorado and they expose them. And Colorado's offense suddenly looked okay. And Oregon State's defense is, in theory, even worse than Oregon's. But is it worse in the exact ways it needs to be to allow Colorado to score points? What do you think? I don't know, is my answer. Um, I'm going to take... I'm going to take Colorado. Wow. Uh, I wrote down initially Oregon State. Um, I'm going to stick with Oregon State. I think that Colorado is bad. Is bad. Really bad. I'm not going to say the 29 points scored against Oregon. Doesn't give you a bit of pause against Oregon State's defense? No, I think yeah, they're bad too. But I feel like they're going to, that was more of the anomaly. I'm going to bank on Colorado scoring 29 offensive points is an anomaly. And even though Oregon State's defense is bad, Colorado's offense is worse. I'm going to stick with the Colorado offense being the worst unit in the Pac-12. Well, so I, I also have a bias here. So let me let me just put all my cards on the table. I think, so Colorado next week after this one has UCLA. I think it would be very funny if they <laughs> built a little bit of a rhythm offensively before taking on that UCLA defense, which ah. is um, an absolute piece of filth. They do that magic quality. Of- that would be really funny. Yeah. Um, so maybe I have a little bit of bias at play here. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll differ on that one. Uh, go Beavs. I've been picking the Beavs like all the time. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes not so much. Okay. Uh, then we got the rivalry game. Oregon Ducks. On the road, taking on academic power. Washington Huskies. <laughs> 4.30, ABC, number four, Oregon at Washington. Oregon's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Sight unseen, take Washington. I'm going Washington. What? Got him. I'm taking Oregon for sure. They're the number one team in the Pac-12 power rankings. They are. Uh, so you're going against the power rankings? Obviously. Okay. Because uh, our picks don't matter. Because <laughs> we're really bad this year. That's true. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm taking Washington. I, I honestly don't even feel that bad about it. Um, like, you could see Jimmy Lake... He's a terrible coach, right? Obviously, like a terrible right. coach. But you could see him being like weirdly up for this game and like throwing in stuff that's like never been seen before and just like really, really taking it too. Uh, because 
Jimmy Lake, I don't think he's a strong head coach, but I think he's got like some decent um, uh, defensive tactician to him. And I think that could play out interestingly in this game because I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm, I've never been very impressed with Mario Cristobal as a coach. Um, and it could be, I think it's going to be an, I think it could be a very ugly football game. It could be. Uh, I'm not going to say what I want to say because last time I did this with Oregon and UCLA, I talked you into taking Oregon. I'm not going to, I don't want to talk you into taking. No, no, I, I'm committed. Okay. I'm committed because Oregon's the number one. This team. is one of those things where it's like, does Oregon like give a crap when they play Colorado? Do they give a crap when they play Arizona? No, I don't think so. I felt like they were going to give a crap against UCLA. They, you know, beat them. Well, it was, it was close at the end, but like they beat were, them by three. I know, but it was like, what's the spread on this one again? Uh, s- Oregon by six and a half, six and a half. Uh-huh. All I gotta do, after Jimmy Lake's comments, like when it comes to recruiting Mario Cristobal, gives a shit so you're gonna say he's gonna win this game and blow out washington to as show- a recruiting method yes <laughs> this is like you some things don't matter you know like but okay but here's the other thing this one's gonna matter to him this but, this matters to oregon all right, i get all they that. will throttle washington i get all that throttle. But like from a narrative standpoint narrative pac-12 just got ranked in the top four what has to happen on oh, saturday okay to be fair Washington wins by two touchdowns. You're, it's hard to argue with that. Like, yes, <laughs> but I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put extra units on this game in the, my my bookie account. I think Oregon's gonna throttle them. Combating the curse. I appreciate yeah. that. Like, I felt really good about the Utah game, which was one of the only ones I got right last week. I feel really good about this one. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay. And the last one, the nightcapper, man, this is a late one, 7 30 PM. Oh, you're supposed to do that part. USC Trojans. Go to Tempe to take on Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right. 7 30 on ESPN, USC traveling to ASU. ASU is a eight and a half point favorite at home. Mm. Uh, first give me ASU just off the bat. Second, um, but what does USC have to play for right now? Like, what's the point of playing football continuously uh, for them? Bowl eligibility. Um, the, your fallen comrade, Drake London. Uh-huh. Uh, interim head coach, Dante Williams. Uh-huh. ASU, in theory, still is alive for the South. ASU doesn't look alive at anything right now. <laughs> no, they don't. Like, But USC both is... Both of these teams are circling the drain just whoever was getting eight and a half points, but I'm USC, taking them. But I'm USC, taking USC. You're taking me, USC on the road I'm, at ASU. I'm taking eight and a half points in two teams that are circling the drain. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, literally, just give me the eight and a half points because both teams are god awful right now. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Just give me eight and a half points. Okay, I'll take the eight and a half points. Like, do you have confidence Arizona State's going to like come out and play well? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, that's why they like, give me the eight and a half points. You make a compelling case. <laughs> like I don't think either team is good or playing well or is motivated. I the way Arizona State's looked is like, oh my god, are they giving up? Like, how cool is it that we are in early uh, November? This will be the the first games of November. Yes. And real question is, how many of these teams can still be motivated because <laughs> they're essentially eliminated I, I, in their division? Literally, like, okay, so last week, Washington State, Arizona State, they're playing a football game. 
they're each missing at least three coaches, you know, four <laughs> or five. There's eight coaches missing in this game. Like literally eight coaches that started the season aren't even coaching in this game between the two teams. You get there were 20 total. Eight of them are gone. And like this, I don't know. Like there's four coaches missing because you get Clayton gone. <laughs> but I, we thought Arizona State was good. They just they look like they've just given up. And USC, uh, I mean, their defense is some of the worst I've seen. Um, I, I don't know. Arizona State's got a good defense. I still uh, think Arizona Arizona State has a good team hidden somewhere in there. I don't think USC does. Like I think USC has some fundamental flaws defensively, and their offensive line is still kind of butt. Uh, ASU, I still think there's a good team there. They had a ton of mistakes against Washington State, and they got like completely run over in the second half against Utah. But we're talking about three halves of football. They were good before then. So <laughs> I just haven't seen them be good for a quite a while. That was three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. All right. I'll just take the points because I don't I don't like you know I don't like picking USC, but like I'm eight and a half points. Like I, get I don't it. know. I like, get it. I understand. I watched Arizona State play. Holy cow, was that bad? All right. Well, that's the uh that's our pack twelve <laughs> uh week nine and week ten. And uh yeah, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come and try to answer your questions and we have lots of those. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Do we need another beer, or are we? Uh, I don't know. We're okay, probably okay. Okay, because uh, you, you can take those home because those are your beers. But you, you shared them with me. I appreciate that. Um, or do I owe you one more because of that? I mean, no, I guess not. Okay, Fine. in Vegas, you'll have to buy me a beer. In Vegas, I'll buy you a beer for sure. Uh, I love. I just love Vegas. Like it's so good. Vegas is so good. Uh, why don't we start with the voicemail, and then we'll get to the zillion emails we got. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ferk. Um, just wanted to ask a question to uh, to Dave. Um, I think it was last week or maybe it was two weeks ago where in talking about um, Arizona, David said, like, they just they absolutely cannot go 0-12. That'd be, you know, really bad for the program and really hard to come back from given everything that's happened. Um, and while I, I don't disagree that that would be really bad, I'm wondering why um, it seems like there's more of an emphasis on them not being able to do that as opposed to, like, the Washington team from 2008. Um, I feel like Washington was able to come back from that. And I think based on everything, how bad the situation is at Arizona in terms of what's on the roster and what Ted Fish has to work with, I don't think it would be as devastating. Um, I'm just wondering um, if you think there's some major differences there or any reasons why it would in particular be really devastating for Arizona. Thanks, guys. Great question. Uh, so the main reason it wasn't devastating for Washington in the way that it would be for Arizona is that Washington can always – it's not quite like USC or UCLA or maybe Oregon, uh, but it can reload in recruiting pretty quickly. Um, like you can just get a new coach in there who's going to recruit pretty well. I mean, as they did in 2008, they went five and seven the next year under Sark. Um, you get a little bit more energy in there. You get somebody different, different voice. Um, there's always 
you know, there's always money in the banana stand. There's always talent at Washington. There's always talent at USC. There's always some talent at US, UCLA. There's always some talent at um, Oregon. There's always talent at ASU. Uh, you know where there's not always talent? Arizona, Oregon mm-hmm. State, Washington State. Like, those are the schools that you really, like, when you have a year where you go 0-12, you have to reload then with recruits at, like, a, you know, group of five level. Like you've got to, and you got to hope to get a lot of good JC guys and you got to hope to get a lot of grad transfers in and you've lost a lot of that high school recruiting momentum, which I think is already kind of happening with, with Arizona. They had a little bit in the off season um, and it's dissipated to to an extent during the season. Um, You just can't have that when you recruit that poorly. Um, And it's not their fault. I mean, it's just the location, it's the prowess, it's everything that goes into, um, you know, just it's kind of place in the PAC 12, um, but that's why you, you you can't have this consistently just moribund program. And Arizona consistently hasn't been that. They haven't been that bad. The the bad that they are right now is a temporary thing, hopefully. But if it continues, if they go 0-12 again and they go 0-12 again or whatever, then it's like, I don't know. Remember when Baylor was horrible? Yeah. It's like something like that. Or how Kansas is now. And oh. that was never Arizona football. Arizona no. is only seven years removed from winning the Pac-12 South. Um, Rich Rod had them, like, not rolling, but they were winning seven or eight games every year for a while there. Um, they should be able to get back to that. Uh, I think Fisher's going to recruit well. I, I mean, he started off recruiting well. Like, he's got to get a little bit of... He's but he get has... Some they have to win. They yeah, have they to win some, some wins. games. Yeah. Um, because it's one thing to recruit when you've won two games, and it's another thing to recruit when you've won zero games and looked hopeless. Yeah. Well, the good thing is they haven't looked hopeless. Like they've looked. No, they haven't. If you're and if you're paying attention, and they'll pitch this obviously to the recruits. You know, hey, we're actually, you know, we're we're turning some things around. We're looking a lot better than we used to. Like things things are trending in the right direction. Um, and qualitatively, it's marginal, but this is a better team than last year. Um, mm-hmm. the the one that went zero and five under someone. Um, but it's going to take a while to uh rebound from that. But they need to show something this year, um, I think, just for recruiting to jumpstart in any kind of way. All right. Uh, let's go to our email box. Uh, it looks like Bernie is the first one. For Dave, do you think Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for Michigan, would make a great replacement for Chip Kelly? He's young, 34, has NFL experience, is highly respected and hardworking. Um, know nothing about him. Yeah. Whatsoever. Uh, sure. I'm uh I'm gonna be honest with everyone out there. I'm pretty open on uh on coaches. Uh, Chip Kelly's been so bad, so very, very bad. Uh, you could probably talk me into Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, definitely talk me into Lane Kiffin. <laughs> you could probably no. I'm I'm. You could probably talk me into a return of Rick Neuheisel. Oh. My God. With gloves, like he the would be only, unstoppable. The only, I'll, I'll say this: the only former UCLA coach that I would still say hard no to is Carl Durrell, only because I am so often treated to his current um, <laughs> uh, playlist. Um, but basically, everyone else in UCLA's history, uh, plus um, virtually any other football coach in the country, because Chip Kelly is historically bad. He's the worst coach in UCLA football history. Uh, I don't think you could be worse than him and the amount of investment that's just been sunken into the program under him for so few wins is insane and unfathomable. I, f- I can't believe we didn't talk about that this is the top. Um, 
the number five coach in UCLA history, Clay Helton, got the job at Georgia Southern. Oh, yeah. No, now he can finally have some talent to work with. Why are we at the hour and 20-minute mark before we mentioned uh-huh. this? I forgot about that. But, yeah, that was a weird one. Um, I got wor- I, I, I heard about would, I certainly would not have made that higher, Georgia Southern. I heard about it, like, you know, last week, and I was like, I didn't really believe it. Like, I just from a source or whatever, like, that's close to that. I'm like, like Clay Helton, I, I don't know. I think anybody who's been, like, actually watching the Pac-12 – you understand the the thing, which is that if Clay Helton were at any other Pac-12 program, he would have won 32% of his games yes. and been fired after year three. It's simply, simply that USC is such a recruiting power that has so much goddamn talent every <laughs> year that Clay Helton could win 65 or 70% of his games. But that's yeah. the only reason. Georgia Southern is going to go 2-10 and 10 and then 1-11, and 11, and he's going to be fired. Wow. They were like, and they were a FCS power. Like, they won like yeah. six national. Why champions. are they not sticking with the triple option? What the hell are they doing? I don't know. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do, but they still got like, I mean, there's like Coastal Carolina, Louisiana. Like, there's some good teams you're going to have to play. Um, uh, he's going to get blown up, dude. Like, no way. And he's not even that good of a recruiter. Like, the thing is, if you're at, if you're at one of those Georgia schools that's not Georgia, there's enough talent in Georgia that you should be able to recruit like Georgia Southern, um, Georgia Tech. Like a lot of these schools should be competing for being basically the San Diego State of Georgia. Like the school that gets the also rans but always has like probably more talent than the other Mountain West schools. Yeah. Like you should be able to do that. Um Clay Elton's not even that good of a recruiter. No. And there's like great coaching candidates in that Sunbelt League. You know, for like Napier, all those guys or whatever. Yeah, Napier? yeah Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, like there's a lot of really good ones, and Clay Helton is not good. No, <laughs> Um, but none of them have won a Rose Bowl. You know, like you can sell that. Like he's a Rose Bowl winning coach. He won the Pac-12. He's probably going to bring in a lot of the guys that. I mean, UCLA has got a bunch of the former Clay Helton guys, like as analysts and crap on their staff. They're probably going to come to Georgia Southern. Uh, I Clancy Pendergast at it again. He's I, riding again, baby. I would assume like you're gonna, like, oh, he went to a Super Bowl. Like you're going to have these things that you like joke about, but. At Georgia Southern, you're like, you're not hiring Rose Bowl winning coaches very often. Well, you know what? I lived in Georgia. Was there maybe some Georgia Southern administrator who was following me, who was like reading those compelling arguments I was making about Clay Helton? And was yeah. just like, maybe this guy's onto something. Ooh, but it's it, it's just weird because he's gotten so much he's gonna get so much money still. He was gonna get paid a lot of money not to coach, but but congrats to Clay. He's got a head coaching job, Georgia Southern. Uh the second question from Bernie for Ryan. UCLA is about to embark on a basketball season that will bring national attention and financial rewards to it. Why do you have a distaste for this sport? I don't know if I have a distaste. I just don't have a lot of interest in it. Like, I've been to college basketball games. I watch some. I don't care to, like, talk about or analyze it or put a lot of stock into it, I guess. It's not – I don't, like, hate it. I just don't – like, it's not something I enjoy, I guess. I don't know. I've learned over the last two years that, for me, it has – entirely everything to do with whether or not UCLA is good. <laughs> I don't care and I find it actually like kind of awful to talk about if UCLA is bad. And now, I mean, if you wanted to, I would talk about it for the next two hours. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I love our friends over at the uh, No Truck Stops, but I don't listen to their basketball podcast. No, I listen, no, no. I listen to the football one. I did go, like I went to the Laker game last Friday and the Cavs were in town. Evan Mobley, number three pick in the draft, who was at USC. I got to cover, you know, I've covered some of his games. 
he was an absolute stud. Like to see him go against like Anthony Davis and stuff, I was like, oh, that's cool, you know. But like, I don't know. I just don't. I, just, I don't have a ton of interest, you know. I get it. So whatever. All right. Well, thanks, Bernie, for the questions. All right. This is from Bobby. ASU game in Drake London. Hey guys, uh, two quick, two quick points today. One, what ASU is doing the last six quarters isn't football. I'm not sure what it is. Competitive hopscotch, <laughs> tic tac toe. Either way, whatever it is, isn't, fo- isn't football. Two. The announcers on the USC versus Arizona game just said Drake London's nickname is the human sheep coat, and I have so many questions. Who comes up to him and is like, sup, human sheep coat? How's it going? That's it. The only constant in life is the Pac-12 is terrible. Hey, Bobby. Um, okay, so I cover USC. Now you know that I've done some dumb things. I'm 50 years old now. I was smart at one point to be an engineer. I don't think I'm smart anymore. I went to... Rice Eccles Stadium and then talked about it the next year. Like, I've never been there. Like, oh, wait, I went there. I've, I, well, I said, I want to see Washington play Ohio State when I saw them five months ago play in the Rose Bowl. Okay, those things have happened. Those are real things. I can tell you, I've never heard that nickname before. Now, I'm not saying it might be very popular and everyone knows it. I have never heard that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, Bobby, but I don't think that's a thing. I don't know why the announcers would say that. But I mean, I've, I've talked to the kid many times. Very nice guy. I, it was great. Covered him for three years. Never heard that once. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Is it because he's like comforting and is like has soft hands? And so it's like, I don't know, man. I literally do not know. So, uh, all right, whatever. We have a text message. Uh, it doesn't say who it's from, but you guys spent some time on my Hunley uh, DTR question last week. So I'll throw a softball this week. Davis Mills started an NFL game today, and that got me thinking. Who's your favorite Pac-12 guy who turned into a stud in the NFL? Not an Andrew Luck type, was always a stud, but a Kenny Young type. Holy crap, that guy was always this good. Uh, my, my The funniest one for me, not funniest, but like just the most bizarre one, will remain always Matthew Slater for the New England Patriots, who is their basically their rostered special teams guy. Not a kicker, not a punter. Not even a punt returner or a kick returner. All he really does is elite gunning on special teams. Yeah. And he was UCLA. But the thing, the funniest part is he was basically that for UCLA too. Like he was a kick returner at UCLA and he was a really good one, but he was also just an elite gunner. And usually when you see those guys, they eventually like translate to then playing linebacker at that school or they play wide receiver or do something else. But you like notice them early on, like Jayon Brown at UCLA noticed him early doing gunning and they they then translate but no he just got better and better at that and now he's translated that into i think literally a 15 year nfl career (laughs) as a gunner that's pretty awesome insane to watch like why is that happening how is he making money doing that he's making like a million dollars a year to make like i don't know 17 tackles a season that's awesome good for him um i i thought about this before no one really like came to mind you know like I, I mean, I loved covering like Robert Woods, but he was a five-star guy, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, he was a stud in college. He's still got a great career going. Um, maybe like, a, I mean, Deshaun Jackson was a stud. I like, I mean, the fact that he's still around, like that, that's some cool stuff. Um, Marshawn Lynch going from really, really good at Cal to like oh, he was, yeah. super stud in, in the NFL was great. The beast mode stuff. That, that was cool. Um, Lynch, I'm trying to think who else, but even like, when like a Gardner okay. Minshew like like makes an like he's p- starting NFL games or Jake Luton like guys that you're just like eh. and they're like wow they're like 
playing good. in the NFL. Yeah, like, they're like decent. Um, no, the 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 funniest one for me is not like actually like that absurd. It's just Aaron Rodgers to me. Like when I'm watching him, he's he, he's the best quarterback ever. Like uh, whatever, Tom Brady's won a lot of titles and he's really good, obviously. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, like the 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 sick stuff he does with like arm angles and ball placement, just just perfect like just so much of it is perfect and like i remember him at cal and he was good but it wasn't this like it wasn't what he's doing and it's just so freaky to watch him but that's more what it is it's not like guys who came out of nowhere because yeah i don't know it's more just guys who then took it to another level in the nfl i mean he took he completed was it like 22 straight passes against usc, USC yeah like i was at that game like that was crazy um yeah i don't know some uh some good stuff. There's definitely some guys I wanted to see like have better NFL careers and stuff too, but that's cool. All right. Good okay, question. Okay, here's a fun one. This is from Nick. Uh, okay, boys, call your shot. With so many job openings, who will be the head coach of each team next year? USC. I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna conspiracy theory here. The fact that Cincinnati was number six, they're not gonna make the college football playoff. He's never gonna get any better than what he's got. I go Luke Fickle. USC. 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 What would be funny? <laughs> Jack Del Rio, Jeff Fisher. No, it wouldn't be that. Got to be something kind of disappointing, though. I mean, James Franklin might be a little disappointing. Gary Patterson. Ooh, he's got a statue. Like they fired the guy. He has a statue. Uh-huh. Gary Patterson. He, he changed TCU football forever. Like multiple. Yeah. Wow. Gary okay. Patterson. Okay. Uh, UCLA. I mean, Rick Neuhausel is a good call. Like you called that Kalen one. Kalen DeBoer. I'm gonna go Kalen DeBoer. I like it. Fresno State's head coach. Um, how about Jonathan Smith? Not gonna happen. Okay. I don't think you pry him away from Morgan State that easily. All right, Kalen. I like Kalen. ASU. Ooh, I haven't seen. I haven't thought about this. Uh, shit. No idea. Who could they get? Not. I mean, not Herm Edwards. Not Herm. Um, could you pry like? Could you pry like a Kalani Sataki away from BYU? Ooh, I like that. They're going to go to the Big 12, though. Um, but the Big 12 might still be an all-saran league. Would a P.J. Fleck or someone come over? I don't think P.J. Fleck's jumping from Minnesota to... I think P.J. Fleck, I think, would jump from Minnesota to USC. Maybe Wait, UCLA. who was the offensive... Was it Napier? Was the offensive coordinator that's now killing Yeah, it? Napier might make Boom. sense. Napier makes sense. Okay, Napier. Arizona, Fish, Utah, Whittingham, Stanford, um, Shaw. Shaw, Cal, stay. I think Cox? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Wilcox still. Washington. Uh, I think it's still gonna be Lake. Washington State. I'm saying Jake Dickert. You think they keep him? Yeah. Uh, I don't know because I think the other option that gets bandied about a lot is Alex Grinch, and maybe they already have him. Like they could basically have one already right. in house, and he's winning. He's so. winning, and they're playing okay defense. Yeah, I'll go Dickert. Okay. Uh, Colorado. I think, unfortunately, Carl Durrell. Carl Durrell. Oregon. Whittingham. Cristobal. I'm sorry, Cristobal. Go. And Oregon State. I'll go Smith still. Yeah, I think he'll one stay there. Year. All right. Thanks, Nick, for that one. Uh, this is from Keon, the Bay Area. Uh, Washington and UCLA parallels. If Jimmy Lake refuses to fire John Donovan, that's their offensive coordinator, if you didn't know, mm-hmm. at the end of the season, is this exactly the same situation as Chip Kelly and Jerry Azzarino? As an arrow? As an arrow? As, that's how I spell. Okay. A new head coach with particular strength on one side of the ball being dragged down by a egregiously inept coordinator on the other side of the ball 
who he refuses to hire and continues to insist that everything is fine. Thanks, Keon from the Bay Area. And he says, P.S., my strategy for the survival pool next year will be to take whichever team is taking your number one team on each week. Thanks in advance. Good strategy. Smart strategy, yeah. Um, I think it could be very similar um, if he ends up not firing John Donovan. Um, but also, uh, as with Chip Kelly, the issue is not really your defensive coordinator. The issue is really you. Um, and so you should probably just fire yourself and quit. So I think it was, was it Ben Bolch, Bolch that said he talked to like beat writers from every Pac-12 school. And in the last four years, there's only one coordinator that's never spoken to the media. And that's Jerry Azanaro. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't seem good. No. No, no, no. Well, until this year, uh, no UCLA assistants were talking. It was all just Chip Kelly. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, and now Azanaro, I think, is the only one who hasn't spoken uh, to the media. Um, yeah, he's he's a. I mean, obviously, he's just a essentially an old buddy of Chip Kelly's, um, and he's no good. He's really bad defensive coordinator. Um, but the the decision to hire him is the problem. The decision to keep him is the problem. And but like it's it's a symptom of the problem. The problem is Chip Kelly. Yeah. So the problem for UW is not John Donovan. It's the guy who made the decision to hire John Donovan. It's the fact that they hired him in the first place that's the problem, not necessarily just that it's, you know, he's got to fire him now. If was you're in a like position where you have... Defensive line coach? What was he? He was like... John Donovan or Jerry no, Azanero? No, Azanero. Azanero was defensive line coach. Yeah, okay. Um, but the, the, the brain process that hires John Donovan is your problem, not John Donovan. Yeah, when everyone's like... When you hire the guy and people are like, what? Like... Uh, I've been down this road before. I'm very familiar with UCLA head coaches being retained based on coordinator hires. And guess what? I'll tell you, it never works. No. Ever. Uh, Carl Durrell, the offensive coordinator situation for him over his last like three years was insane. It was like uh, Harry Potter defense against the dark arts. Just one guy <laughs> this year and then another guy the next year and then a guy after that. Uh, and it never worked. Uh, Rick Neuheisel, um, like, had Norm Chow running the friggin' pistol offense at one point. Um, and then they hired Mike Johnson. He was terrible. Uh, Jim Mora tried a uh, host of defensive coordinators, had Lou Spanos, then Jeff Ulbrich, then Tom Bradley, then uh, yeah, I think it was Bradley there at the end. It never works. Just don't do it. Yeah, just if you've got a guy who can't nail down coordinators and if they're not getting hired for other jobs and he's having to fire them over and over, Instead of hiring him, instead of firing him the first time, just fire the head coach, because the head coach is that that's the problem. Gotcha. All right, uh, your turn, I think. Right. This is from John and Brea, ESPN, and interim coaches, dear Ryan and Dave. To get a sense of how far the conference has fallen off the map, just look at the Arizona versus USC game that was on ESPNU. First, ESPN, like most USC fans, paid to attend the game but didn't bother to show up in person. ESPN, a company with a large presence in Los Angeles, didn't even send live announcers to the game. I'm pretty sure they also used interns as camera operators, or perhaps the camera operators felt like the rest of us that the game was unwatchable, so why bother tracking the football? Real quick. It was crazy to watch. I I didn't get to see. I haven't watched the broadcast. They lost the ball constantly. When I came down to the field, uh, you can come in the last five minutes from the press box, and usually when you walk down, there's like this truck sort of thing running back and forth with a camera on it. So like there's guys with cords, and you've got to like stay out of their way because they're driving. Like there was none of those. I'm like, is there no like... There's like a Pac-12 network production. Like there's not even like one of those cameras that follows the ball on the sideline. So you, you knew it was a little. Uh, it was really bad. Yeah. Whoever was operating the main camera was doing a really poor job. Ooh. Um, but the best moment was when the play-by-play announcer, John Schifrin, 
was recapping Pac-12 scores and uttered this phrase, Oregon took it to what is a really good Colorado team. (laughs) Seriously, no one is watching the conference except us. Uh, On a side note, and in an effort to bash ESPN a little more, how tired is the college game day format? Talk about unwatchable. May I suggest you guys get Bill Walton and maybe Petros and the four of you put together a Saturday morning preview show worth watching? On to the interim coaches with a request for rankings. Please rank in order. Which of the following interim head coaching jobs would you take if given the opportunity to go out there for the rest of the season and simply hold things together? All right. USC, Washington State, TCU, Texas Tech, Nebraska. Coming soon. So you get to be the interim head coach for this current team for the last four games or whatever. Is that what we're going with? So USC, I could still like live where I'm living. I wouldn't have to move. Yeah, I would take USC. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think it would just be based on that. I would go TCU next because you're in a big city. You're in Dallas. I think TCU would probably be the next easiest. Like they still have some talent there. Nebraska would be challenging. I just think that would I don't be- want any part of Nebraska because it's also you're in Nebraska. And second, yeah, the fans are crazy. And you're taking o- you're taking over for a legend. And they, so they're going to hate Washington you. State seems fine. Yeah, like, I'd probably take that. And then I'd, I'd go to the then I'd go uh, Nebraska or Texas Tech. It's a coin flip for me. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would have like my team meetings at the Coug. Yeah, and it was good. You yeah, know. that'd be great. And uh, Pullman. And then thanks for all you endure, John and Bray. Thanks, John. Uh, do you feel game days are watchable? I don't watch it as much as I used to. I, I don't watch it at all, except for the day that Bill Walton was on it. Yeah, I watched it. Like, I, I mean, I like Kurt. I'm not a huge like Desmond fan or whatever. Uh, is it? No, who is it? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I like Pollock. I, and I love Lee, but like, it's just hard. Like, since the stroke thing, it's just hard to like understand him some of the time. And I don't know. It's 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 fine. Yeah, it's it's hard. Uh, yeah, the the Corso thing's tough. Um, because I've, uh, I, you know, I, I like it's one of those things where I'm like watching it and I'm like I feel bad for him. I do, and like, I'm and I'm also like, but he's doing it, but I'm I'm I can't get over like my own internal process with it, and so it's like it's one of those things where it almost makes me cringe a little bit, and that's just on me. But it's also like this isn't actually an enjoyable experience for me to watch this because it, does, it feels uncomfortable. Sometimes. Yeah. It feels uncomfortable. Cause you love the guy. And you right. Want to, um, I still love the headgear stuff. Well, like, he clearly great. loves doing it. So whatever the hell. And, and they all clearly love him and Kirk helps him out. So it's like, whatever Kirk does help. He's sort of like, yeah, but caregiver, I'm just, yeah. I, yeah, but I'm just like, I, I, this is hard to watch. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like Reese very much. I find him kind of uh, smug and insufferable, um, as a, as a host, um, Fowler used to do it, right? So, okay, I have a, 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 I have to admit something here. I don't know the difference between Reese and Fowler. I think oh, the I same didn't person. either. I didn't either for a long time. But Fowler, I always found better. He was less. He's uh, like lives in Colorado. Like yeah, he was less smug yeah. looking. Um, but I, it's hard for me to like. If you like, hey, what's his name? I might say the wrong one. I don't like. I feel like they're the same person sometimes. Right. Um. So anyway, uh, yeah, I don't watch it. I watched it um for the Bill Walton episode, and I thought it was fine. Yeah. But, like, it's three hours of talk show about, like, topics in college football, and, frankly, a lot of them are really boring. But sometimes it's fun to see them at an environment, you know, like, if it's, like, they're at Navy or something, or they're, yeah. like, when they're Appalachian State. Like, or in Westwood, baby. Westwood. Something like that. All right, we got uh, an APB from Hithliday. Just before all the college football Twitter was taken over by future Washington State coach Jeff Banks's similar uh, S- Simeon Simeon. Mis- Simeon misadventures. So this was um, his wife's or his girlfriend's monkey bit a kid. Mm-hmm. 
trick or treating. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Yes. I tried to look. I'm like, it was so. It was his girlfriend, uh, who's a stripper, who he left his wife for. Oh, perfect. Her monkey, who's a pet, bit a kid trick or treating. Okay. She's and she has the same name as him, but they're not. I don't know. I think that she does. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So Monday night's uh, object of derision was Jimmy Lake, grammatically grammatically suspect academic prowess recruiting compared to Oregon's. This was immediately taken up as certain bulletin board material sure to motivate the Ducks in their upcoming rivalry game. My question is, do you boys think that bulletin board material is actually a thing? Because like bulletin boards don't really exist anymore. True. Um, it seems like silly stuff for fans to roast each other over, uh, but I have a hard time believing it affects games at all, given how prof- uh, professionalized the sport has become. Any good stories from the past? I can't think of any stories about it. I don't know that there was one in particular. I mean, I think um, what Ed O said before uh, the UCLA USC game, game uh, US, USC UCLA game in 2015, uh, with uh, we're going to lock those little boys in the Coliseum, clearly was something. But I don't know if it was necessarily important because I think UCLA was going to blast him off the field in that game regardless. And he said that like the blue shirt thing. Before yeah, the, and then he, the LS, yeah, he, yeah, he said that sissy blue color. But that was just before the game, and I don't think the players heard it. But the pregame comments in in 2015, they definitely heard. And then like Jim Mora even referenced it in the postgame press conference. So I think that did play a role. But I think it's a particular type of coach who uses that. Like it's very much the. Uh, and Hitler, you're not going to like my analogy, but it's the raw, raw types. So like Jim Mora really did use that stuff. Like he used that and got his team pumped up. And sometimes that would be to their detriment. But football is, a. I mean, I, I, I know you're um, like very heavily into like the X's and O's side of it and all of the like schematic, like, you know, everything that goes into, you know, this matchup and that matchup and so on and so forth. But football is still very, uh, it's very an emotional game. Um, and I think head coaches who are very good at getting guys up for games, especially big games, um, I think they can use this stuff to their advantage. I think Tom Herman also used this. But I think your boy Mario Cristobal also uses this stuff. Like I think he's actually very good at the raw raw aspect of the whole thing too. So I wouldn't be shocked if Oregon does use it at some level. Now I don't know if this is actually the kind of thing that gets you too raw raw. Um, it's more like uh, questioning manhood or calling people out, and you know the lead up to a game that um, you can start to use as bulletin board stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't. It's hard to recall. I did some googling to see. I have one kind of example. Uh, I feel like Mario Cristobal is going to use this at 100%. Because um, he's a rah-rah guy. He's a big emotion guy. Yeah. And this is just like, really, Jimmy? Like, like your team is pretty god-awful. Um, this was, so this is from back in 2004. Uh, Larry Burdine, if you remember him, he's an Oklahoma defensive end. Uh, he was asked about, USC was number one at the time. He said, I feel like they're, I'd say, a one-and-a-half-man team. I want to respect them just because I have to play them. But then I watch them on tape and everything, and I realize that they're an average team. So, and they got beat 55 to 19. I don't know if that was, but Pete Carroll, very emotional. He would use stuff like that, I would think. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. 
but that was a thrashing. Uh, but you can Google some examples of that. That was one that just came up. But Yep. All right, this is from Brent. What up, champs? As a Beaver fan coming into the year, I was hoping for a bowl game. Coming into this week playing Colorado, I'm pretty optimistic, but also very upset that we have three losses against three beatable teams. Should I just be happy that the Beavers are doing better than expected, or should I be expecting more out of this team? Confused Beaver fan, Brent. I think you should expect more. I mean, we expected more. Like, this is, once you saw what Oregon State was capable of and how well-schemed that run game was and how much talent was there um, and how Nolan could be, you know, an efficient quarterback that would help manage the game along with a really good running game and what we thought was like a decent defense that's not very good now. Um, Yeah, I think those were all, there were some winnable games on the schedule. Um, It's definitely an improvement, but I think this is a team that could have been better than what it is right now. Yeah, I, I go back and forth. I think you've got to you've got to still lean on your preseason expectations for a team when thinking about how their season went. Like, I don't think you want to adjust too much. I wouldn't say Oregon State is all that talented. I think a lot of it is on the coach that they have won as many as they have. Um, I think their run game is extremely well schemed. I do think they have a lot of good running backs, um, but Chance Nolan I think is just okay. You know, we we got kind of taken in by his USC performance, but he's just okay. Um, and their defense is not very good. Um, so I would say they're a middle of the pack Pac-12 team that's playing above its head a little bit. And I think that, you know, I, I think you can get lost a little bit in, oh, but if they'd played Nolan, they would have beaten Purdue. Well, they were playing Nolan against Washington State and Cal, and they got beat pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I think that's not because they played down to the level of competition. I think that's their level right now. I think talent-wise, their level is Washington State and Cal. And so if they play those teams on the road, uh, a lot of times they're going to lose. And if they play them at home, maybe they win. Um, you know, Because these things can be swings because, again, it's an emotional game. So I guess uh, my point is you, you've got a uh, Oregon State team. Like, Just take stock for a second because uh, I think this is important. You've got an Oregon State team that beat USC on the road and blew them off the field. Like, completely crushed them. Yes. And they beat Utah, which is probably the best team in the Pac-12 South. And they're 5-3, and three, and they have three losses all on the road, and all of them were reasonable losses. They weren't blown out. Cal didn't blow them out. Washington State certainly didn't blow them out, and Purdue didn't blow them out. They've got three road losses. In a year where almost nobody was expecting them to make a bowl game, and now they're 5-3 and three with Colorado, Stanford, ASU, and Oregon left. Like, they're probably going to finish 7-5. and five. Yeah, that's a great year for Oregon State. I think that, you know, you can be a little disappointed, obviously, that they didn't, you know, luck out and win those three road games. But those were games they were like, it wasn't like they got unlucky and lost. They just lost. And sometimes just teams are okay, But okay for Oregon State this year is a big step up from where they were. Um, And I think it's a sign that Jonathan Smith has that thing rolling pretty well. I'm already regretting the my pick for them to cover at Colorado because <laughs> they haven't been bad on the road. They've just not been very good. Yeah. I mean, they beat USC badly, but other than that, they've lost every other game on yeah. the road. I think they're going to come out and they them. could. I mean, Colorado's not very good. I think they could, I think they'll win that game. I just don't know if, uh, if Colorado might cover. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, John and wrote back. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, he's got great emails, but he's going to write again more. He said, did I wake up in some sort of alternate universe? This morning, I read that Clay Hilton will be hired by Georgia Southern to be their next head coach. And Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports actually wrote and published this statement. Prior to USC, he had a strong history of developing talent 
That should translate to Georgia Southern. He was at USC for 11 years, where he had absolutely no history of developing players. I'm so happy I have the podcast of champions. It's the only thing keeping me sane. Troubled John and Brea. Yeah, so the funny thing is, and like... I don't want to like denigrate any of the national college football writers because they're doing a job and it's an important job. And well, no, none of our jobs are important. Scratch that. It's a, it's a worthwhile job. Um, but especially the ones who are breaking news, uh, as Thamel was doing with Helton and as, um, you know, some friends of the show, uh, sometimes do, they're a little bit in the bag for certain coaches sometimes uh, because a lot of times the coaches or their agents are their sources and they're not going to completely, um, you know, gas up a guy here or there, but they will sneak the occasional line in there that does not pass anybody's smell test, but they're doing it because, you know, you rub my back, I'll rub yours, that sort of thing. This is an insane statement. Yes. Developing talent that should translate to Georgia Southern based on what, based on what, what knowledge of Clay Helton as a coach makes you think that he's going to develop talent at a level necessary to win football games at Georgia Southern. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and like, well, Oklahoma promoted their offensive coordinator and he became the head coach and that's working out well. And I'm like, yes, because he was really good. Like Ryan Day, like, well, he was really good at his job. Clay Hilton, to my knowledge, when I saw him at USC, he was never a thought of as like a great quarterback coach. He was never thought of as a great offensive coordinator. I don't think he was calling his own plays at all. Um, he wasn't really good at the job that you and you promoted him from, you know. Right. And I've never known him to be like this developer of talent. It was mostly squandering talent at USC. Like guys didn't get better; they regressed, especially quarterbacks. And he's been around for like eleven years. So many guys were like Sam Darnold was better as a freshman. Keaton Slovis was better as a freshman. Like you saw people regress at that spot as opposed to be developed like it was almost the opposite right so yes this the statement is sort of what like yeah insane I, yeah insane but again it's not Pete, it's but. not it's not insane it's just it's what you do like it's 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 how you maintain a certain level of access with certain people yeah to get those scoops but thanks uh john for your second email very good. Yes. Uh, this is from Florence. Uh, question for the pod. What is the spread if Clay Helton's 2021 USC team plays Clay's 2022 Georgia Southern team? Okay, so Clay's coaching both teams, so you're not going to have a coaching advantage. Correct. It'll just be talent. So USC wins by 50. <laughs> I would say 13 points. Really? Okay. Well, because Georgia Southern hasn't been infected by Clay Helton that much at that point. Oh. That's still year one. Okay. Right? I'm just saying, like, but, but, there, he, but, he's, but he's still coaching. Sure, sure, sure. He's a bad coach, but he hasn't yet had time to do the, like, negative development that happens. Under but they're, like, a bad team right now before he right. got there. But have you watched USC this year? I know, but I think Georgia Southern is. All right. Okay, 13. I'll say it's Have like, you checked in on San Jose State season, by the way? They're pretty bad, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. They're not so good. Yeah. Uh, this is from Brad in Portland. What a weekend. Hey guys, I want to congratulate Sinjin Snope on winning the pool as close as it was saving USC for this weekend was a great move. Who would have thought that the teams coming off a bye would both lose so bad. I was feeling pretty good about Stanford, uh, winning being up with three minutes left to run out the clock. Unfortunately, Dave is right. They have no running game. They didn't even like try, like they were no. not trying to like 
Like literally, he just would have punted and just hoped something good happened. Uh, they were up by one, and he was like sitting on the ball. Looking forward to the championship in Vegas, assuming Utah makes it to rep the South. Which of the below options do you think would be the most fun, funniest to play out? Okay, so he gives us some options. What's fun or funny? Washington State wins out and plays Utah and Las Vegas, with the storyline being two programs that overcame adversity, and one of which will play in the Rose Bowl. Side story, BYU fans are enraged and bitter that they beat both teams but are not in a New Year's Day Bowl. BYU plays the Powerhouse Conference USA winner, UTSA Roadrunners, in the Independence Bowl. That'd be funny. It would be, yeah, like if BYU beat both teams that are in the championship game. Oregon uh, wins out and has one loss against Utah. Either way, Oregon is playing to get into the Rose Bowl. And he's, I don't know if this is part of it. Do you think Oregon has two wins over Utah that they can make it to the playoff? Uh, if the Rose Bowl is, or is the Rose Bowl the best they can get either way? They can get the playoff. Yeah, because if they win out, I think they're making the playoff. Because they're four right now, and I don't think they'd get dropped. Um, it sucks, though, because you could play a three-loss Utah team once and beat them, but then if you have to beat them in the championship game, now you're beating a four-loss Utah team. Exactly. So their two ranked wins are going to be the Fresno States and the Ohio States of the world. Yep. Uh, Oregon State wins out. And Washington State loses one game along the way. We get a rematch of the two best teams in the Pac-12, and ABC tries to figure out a way to get this game moved to the Pac-12 network. Oregon State-Utah would be fun again. I'd watch the hell out of that game. I would, for sure. And then Washington somehow wins out, and Oregon State loses one more game. It becomes a rematch of the 2018 Pac-12 championship. If that happens, I hope Utah doesn't lose their starting quarterback and running back again. Then it would be a replay of 2018, I was at the 2018 game, and it was bad in so many ways. It was truly uh, herocious. They were herocious. The only time there was any energy in the stadium was after the game when everybody in the stadium booed Champagne Larry. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> uh, thanks, Ryan, for your work, the work that you do, and Dave for showing up, Brad, in Portland. Love it. Um, yeah, the worst matchup there is the Washington-Utah one. I would watch the hell out of every other game on this list. Yeah, I think that'd be. Yeah. Uh, Washington and Utah do not want to see. No, definitely not. Um, okay, okay, this is a text message, and it has an attachment. Uh, it is about, the, oh, the ASU vote, and they say take their vote away because ASU got a vote in the CFP rankings. I don't know. Was it the CFP rankings? I think it was. Or is that the AP? Oh, it's a coach's poll. Coach's poll. Oh, okay. okay, okay, okay. Uh, coach's poll really doesn't matter. Um, and then he says, question, at the end of the season, how many teams will be looking for a new head coach over or under six? I think we said under. Yeah, I think we were going four. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the text message. And then we got one last one uh, from Kevin. Andy Reid, Kansas City, Mahomes. This is tough because uh, I got Mahomes on one of my fantasy teams, and he's just not very good. One of the NFL analysts, you don't watch the NFL. You know, he was like obviously a stud. One of the NFL like scout writer people said they looked at all the quarterbacks. His mechanics are the worst of any quarterback right now in the in the NFL, which that's a little depressing. But he said, I've seen a few articles indicating Chip Kelly's experiment is a failure. I got the thinking about Kansas City last night as I watched them eke out a ref aided win against the powerhouse New York Giants. Uh, they're not a powerhouse, by the way, just in case uh, you don't follow the NFL. So here's Kansas City's winner of the 2020 Super Bowl, beatdown loser of the 2021 Super Bowl, and lucky to be 500 on the same season, even with the so-called 
uh, bolstered offensive line. Reeds had a successful stint at Kansas City, but the recent trend is downward. Mahomes seems to be on the same trajectory. It kind of boggles my mind. There are people who say it's not hard to do that a coach with his team uh, and his team with so much success can all of a sudden look to be mediocre. And yet it seems to happen in all sports. What do you think? And yeah, there's kind of reaction to those quote failure articles. Very hard to maintain success in sports. Very few examples of sustained success stories from Kevin. So Kevin, I think you're analogizing two things that are very different. Uh, Chip Kelly's experiment is a failure because it was never a success. Uh, he, he, it hasn't been a success. It never succeeded. He, he never got off the ground. It was. They beat LSU this year. <laughs> I was so. Here's a fun stat. You want a Chip Kelly stat? Sure. Okay. He has 15 wins in his UCLA tenure. Right. Uh huh. How many of those teams finished with? or currently have, if it's this year, a winning record? Of the 15, I'm going to guess three? Two. Okay, I was close. Eight and five ASU from 2019, and seven and six Cal from 2018. Wow. LSU doesn't have a winning record this year? No, they're four and four currently. Um, They beat Florida? mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. So UCLA's uh, a different set of... Steak knives. They're a different thing. They didn't uh, win a Super Bowl. Or no, the they, didn't, they didn't win shit. Um, and uh, nowhere in it even to be close to that. Uh, they're out of the division race here at the beginning of November. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Kansas City, but I'll say generally about the NFL, there is a real marginal difference a lot of times between, like, I won't say between the best team and the worst team, but between pretty good and pretty bad is really marginal in the NFL uh, because it can just be like one player's down and suddenly you look like shit. Yeah. Uh, like you lost your yep. left tackle, you're bad. Um, or you lost whatever, this important wide receiver. Like in college football, USC goes down Drake London. They're going to look worse, no doubt about it. They're not going to look like they've lost their entire ability to play football, like, even with a loss like that. Because in college football, it's just you've got more bodies. You've got more guys who can play. Like there's just it's much more coach driven in the NFL. If you don't have the guy who fits that part of that offense because you're doing very specific things all the time, then you're going to fail. So I don't know exactly what's going on with KC, but it could be something very minor, like in theory, that's just now expanding beyond everything else. Like maybe did they lose an offensive lineman? Did they? drop a wide receiver that was important to the scheme. Like, I, I don't know. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that can affect teams at the NFL level that really doesn't have as big of an impact at the college level. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, – so Eric Bieniemy's names come up. Now, they're they're kind of struggling this year, but could he, like, be a head coaching candidate? Like, I'm, sure he, I, I'm sure he can be. I, I, I The reason I was skeptical of Bieniemy is because Andy Reid's the offensive guy. Um, so I never knew, like, how much of – how much he was having an impact on what they were doing offensively. Cause I think if you're going to hire somebody like that, you want him to be like the one who's going to be bringing the scheme or whatever. Um, and I don't know if he's that guy or if he's just helps with game plans or if he does play calling, like, I, I don't know. All right. Uh, well, that's it. That's all our questions. How long did we go here? That felt like two hours. It was, yeah, just about just under two hours. So, yeah, we I, we had a lot of questions though. There was a lot to get to. Yeah, yeah, a lot of newsy stuff, uh, a lot of games. Um, so a couple of buys this week. Who's on buys? We got. Uh, let's see. Cal, uh, Cal's playing Stanford, uh, Arizona ASU. 
uh, Utah. So the whole South is playing, and in the North, um, Washington State, and who else? Uh, Stanford. No, Stanford's playing. What this is? This is great. Uh, UCLA is on a buy. UCLA is on a buy, and uh, Cal's on a buy. Oh no, I mean um, Washington State's on a buy. Yeah. Okay. So wow. those are the teams. That was beautiful. That was really tough to struggle through. I'm trying to like, which team is on a buy this week? Oh yeah, because UCLA had the early buy. Yeah. Because they had the week zero game. Yeah. Yeah. On top of everything else, uh, they're going to go like seven and five this year with two buys. Nice. Uh, Washington State gets the late buy. Mm-hmm. It's a rough one. Yeah. They had to play a lot of games in a row, but they've, they've played well. So, Okay, well, that's going to wrap things up. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Podcast of Champions. Get out there. Go check out my bookie. Use promo code PAC12. For David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.